So Friday night, a uh, long day of work, long week of work, a lot of shoots we had done. And uh, I get a text message at 3.30 p.m. And it's my friend. And she says, hey, we have two extra tickets to this concert and we can't sell them. Do you and Katie just want them? They're at the SoFi Stadium. The SoFi Stadium is the big new stadium in Los Angeles that houses the Rams and the Chargers. Mm. I said, uh, yeah, who's playing? Paul McCartney. Holy s***. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't sell a McCartney ticket? Come on. Well, I mean, screw them for trying to sell a McCartney ticket. They shouldn't have bought it in the first place, right? Like, if they, they, they got their own tickets, and they got these additional tickets to upsell. Oh, and they couldn't. I see, I see. Yeah, so yeah. I was happy they couldn't, mainly because I don't like middlemen. Mm-hmm. But they're dear <laughs> friends, and I do love them. <laughs> So, but they gave us the tickets. So we huffed it down to SoFi Stadium in the middle of rush hour and paid $80 for parking. That was amazing. What? Uh, that's right. $80 to park in a parking lot. Have you guys in LA, there's these things, there's these things called trains. Have you guys mm-hmm. tried these? Mm-hmm. They have. And the car industry shut them down. <laughs> I believe oh my God. <laughs> they are here now and they're actually getting a lot better, but the infrastructure isn't quite built for them. So they have to plow through uh, buildings to make tracks. Right. Mm. And they're just powered by people on bicycles in the inside of the train <laughs> still, yeah. right? Come on, LA. Forgive our infrastructure <laughs> talk, folks. Let me get back to the Paul McCartney concert. So... <laughs> The guy is 80 years old yeah. this year wow. and played for two and a half hours straight, wow. took no breaks, and was flawless. Wow. It was a, like literally one of the best concerts I've seen, and I've seen, I bet, a hundred shows. Dang. Also, his new album where he uh, collaborated with Kerrang Bin, yeah. uh, that song slaps, is so good. I think he played two from that album, but like I, the set list was like 36 songs. Jeez. It was crazy. Wow. Was it old stuff or like a lot of new stuff? It was a mix of a lot of stuff. Let me actually just pull the set list. I mean, can you, like a catalog that deep and then you go on a solo career? Like that guy will never want for songs for a set. You know what (laughs) I mean? (laughs) Right? They opened with Can't Buy Me Love and then went into some wing songs. And then he definitely did like a few of his songs, which were still good. Although I I did not know them. I do not listen to Paul McCartney's new stuff or anything. But they were great and they were performed really well. But I mean, I would say 50% at least was Beatles. And another solid like 30% were wing songs too. That's great. Yeah. That guy has written so many good tunes it's like intimidating <laughs> he he also clearly like loves to perform which is, is what i admire about him is the dude's been doing it for i mean what was he like 16 when they started doing those tours for real. like dude he's the been Beatles doing it for 70 years just about <laughs> right, 60 yeah. years i mean for like for like 10 years the beatles had like seven days off you know what i mean like they were <laughs> they were like forced to work so hard I'll put the set list uh, in the, in the Yeah, the link to the Wikipedia for Paul McCartney, for those of you who are unfamiliar. Yeah. Yeah, if you've never heard of him. I mentioned the pricing of the parking because I also glanced at the price of the tickets, and Ticketmaster had the gall to charge a $60 service fee. Mm-hmm. What? $60. Just you know to... what you could get for $60? You could back the Kickstarter for ARCs for $60. <laughs> Do you know what $60 got them? A receipt with a barcode on it. That's the service that Ticketmaster is providing. Which, by the way, sponsor today for Woodland War Machine is Ticketmaster. All right. Ticketmaster, where our phrase is, go f*** yourself. (laughs) 
be emailing you offers for bands you do not like. <laughs> yep, that's right. Creed is still touring, and we're going to let you know about <laughs> oh my it. God. Here's what I'm going to say. This might be controversial. I do feel like Creed is about to have a resurgence that is completely unfair and undeserved. Maybe deserved slightly, but just like based only on nostalgia, not on the like objective quality of that music. It was on the radio. It's going to come back. I welcome the Creed resurgence with arms wide open, you guys. Oh, no. I just want them to take me higher. <laughs> I do feel like there is a certain vocal style that is like uh, completely unconcerned with the you know notes proper and just sort of glides around <laughs> on the inside, getting by on just the affected tone of the growl. That I don't foresee like making a big time comeback. I feel like that's going to stay put in the 90s. In the nostalgia world? Mm-hmm. Well, I had to Wikipedia it since you mentioned it, and the I went down through their history, and the most recent listing about their history was from a November 6, 2020 TMZ article that says, drummer Scott Phillips announced that a reunion was a possibility. Oh, hell yeah. That was a year and a half ago. We got to open for the Creed reunion. <laughs> Woodland War Machine, a podcast about Root. On the to... stage, while the instruments are being set up, there's just a table with three guys and a couple of microphones. <laughs> and like the like plushies you can get on Leader Games' website. We have to keep asking the audience to stop yelling. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, guys. Guys, we're, we're trying to play over here. Come on. Stop <laughs> quoting Bible verses right now. We have to record this episode. I remember finding out that Creed was a religious band and just being like, how did I miss that? <laughs> it's fairly obvious, but they're they're also just like they had the edge enough to make you think that oh wait this can't be Christian rock, but it was. It totally was. It was like mm-hmm. in disguise, and uh, also the word Creed is like that perfect, mm-hmm. just like it sounds kind of like metal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Creed, and then you think about it, and you're like oh no, there there's it's like oh it's like faith. Creed, Creed like belief. Wow, Creed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> we've it. done a tight five on creed and Ticketmaster. <laughs> this has to get edited down i think i'll probably play some samples of creed in between transitions you know people Good. did like your music editing in the last episode <laughs> yeah that really was pretty did. solid i went back yeah. and listened through it i, I yeah. chuckled okay. many times uh, that's all i needed well actually that's all kyle needed because he was right in proving that it does make you laugh yeah yeah biologically funny 45 seconds after this episode airs or ends, <laughs> there's going to be just the full Creed album. Welcome that one Creed album that everybody loves. <laughs> I'll tell you everything. <laughs> Ten years from now, why is one episode missing? <laughs> just got pulled randomly. We didn't know. Because we put the entire, what is it, My Sacrifice or something? Human Clay, that's what it's called. Human, Human Clay. clay. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, oh, even that is like slightly deceptive, I feel like. <laughs> There's someone fast-forwarding through the pod going like, okay, they got to stop talking about Creed now. And they just keep getting further along and we're still going. Yeah, Guys, about, wait, hold on. In about 15 minutes, we have to talk about Creed real briefly, just in case they get that far and they realize. <laughs> yeah. Just for the one who's skipping ahead by 30-second increments. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. We always just have to drop a Creed thing. <laughs> This is why we write an outline before the episodes, you guys, because we will okay. talk about Creed for the whole f- hour. Yeah. To be fair, the the point of the outline we're at is intro banter. That's true. That's there is true. no subsection that said Creed. But what we can transition to is Root News. Root News! 
Oh my gosh, I'm looking at our items on Root News today, and I can safely say that I don't think any of these things are Root related. <laughs> That's um, true. Yeah. Do we have a a thing on Root Jam? I'm sure there's some something I could actually talk about with that. Yeah, I was I was really encouraged and very happy and just totally delighted uh, to see all the Wimmies upload their fan factions from Root Jam on our oh, Discord. Yeah site like we got to see the faction boards and like i mean they made so many things for this like all the assets going into tts all that stuff yeah i I was just like super impressed is there a place where we can see all the submissions uh i believe so yeah on the woodland warriors discord there is a section and it looks like it has entered the voting phase so um, people can now are voting on the fan factions to see which one will win the competition. And uh, as of the 15th of May, uh, the Root Jam 2022 has already surpassed their donations from last year going to Doctors Without Borders. Oh, awesome. Um, so that is great for them. Great job, SP Shaman and the whole Root Jam crew. Yeah, congrats. That's great. And another Root News. We have... The fact that the ARCS Kickstarter is live. It went live (laughs) as of uh, the day of this recording, um, two days ago, if you're listening to it the week it came out, or it's just a game if you're listening to it in the future. But either way, I know us three on this podcast are very excited about ARCS. Space game, trick-taking action selection mechanics, familiar movement rules to root. That's how I'll shoehorn it into root news the same like you got a rule where you're going to or where you're from so that is root related in a way also anthropomorphic critters space bugs <laughs> yep they're space bugs and notably of course designed by cole worley and uh put up by leader games yep illustrated and by carl farron carl, carl farron <laughs> well you started talking and I'm i'm really bad like when somebody else starts talking yeah, my brain just starts listening, and I don't finish my sentences. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You guys know that uh, that app, the Speech Jammer? Oh my God, Kyle's seen. I'm a nightmare when it comes to Speech Jammer. This is an app that you can basically like you put an earbud in, and you start talking, and it starts playing back what you're saying. Oh, oh into your ear as you're talking, and you got to try and get through it. It's very hard. Yeah, it's like just like 0. 0.3 seconds behind your actual voice, <laughs> and your brain just keeps getting tripped up. By oh, it. it's yeah, so yeah. hard to continue talking, and no one else can hear the echo because it's just in your earbud. Right. And so, to everyone else, it looks like you are having a meltdown. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, actually, real quick, reviews for Human Clay were largely positive. Shut um, up, Stevis. Or what? Just in case they get. Here, Sam. Just because they're here. All right. Now we have to stick so much of that Creed bit in the beginning of the episode. I'll cut out at least 30 minutes of it. Okay, great. We are excited about ARCs. Anyone got anything to say about ARCs? Uh, the Kickstarter's live. Go support it. Yeah, it's... Um I think they just barely hit their goal. Yeah, they're only at $700,000 right now. Wow. Which is fantastic. In one day. That is yeah. wild. <laughs> insane yeah i get i get the excitement though because i think this is this is a different type of game than we've seen from leader in the past especially with the, like a whole trick-taking mechanic being thrown yeah. in the mix I, i'm pretty excited to see what they do with it because you know i feel like mechanically all leader games are like fairly involved 
Uh, but they tend to be really on point. So I'm curious to see what they do with it. Have you guys read the rules? Yeah. Oh, what Sam, do you think, you've, Sam? You've read it. You've you've seen the uh, print and play. Yeah, yeah, I've read the rules. At least I think the rules are only for the like one shot version of the game because they're it's oh, okay. like the game is structured where it's like you can play it just as a one session game, like a normal board game. It takes like two two and a half hours, mm-hmm. or you can play it in a three session campaign. Um, so it's not like an endless legacy game where you got to play the game like 12 times or whatever. You play yeah. it three times and basically how each game ends will set you up for the next game. I read the rules and it seems uh, simpler than Root, but I'm very interested in it at the same time, too. It, okay. Um, there was only like one rule where I was like, there's Cole making things <laughs> kind of confusing. That's unintuitive, but most of it honestly is like way easy to comprehend. It works the way you think it's going to work okay. and it's cool. You can uh, see a few of our friends including Space Cats, Peace Turtles and Garrick and Lily play this game on various streams that are happening. If you go to the Kickstarter page, they have a calendar there and links to a lot of those shows. Yeah, they did a stream today, Lord of the Board is doing oh, yeah, a stream doing tomorrow. One, right? Yeah, so both of those will be fully done, and you can watch those by the time this episode airs. Um, but yeah, really excited about ARCs. Uh, hope to get to chat with Leader about ARCs at some point. Is that a shout-out? That's a... Come on, come on the podcast, Leader. Yeah, that's Sam manifesting right there. Yeah, that's Sam manifest. <laughs> you hear that, Patrick? <laughs> yeah, you hear? Listen. They never talk back. Um, all right. <laughs> Speaking of same manifest, I i don't know why this is in root news, but I may have a house. I Whoa. may own a house. It's wow. because you're going to rule a clearing. You're going to rule the corner of Portland, Oregon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool. What, what do you think? Is fox, mouse, rabbit? I honestly, it's probably a mouse. I heard yeah. that the neighbors had a rat problem, so we are getting everything inspected. Uh-oh. Hundreds. Yeah, very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, the hundreds is right. Their, their house is just on fire. I just like come home and I'm like, what's this mob doing here? And they're like, are you going to battle it? And I'm like, and Rachel's I like, look, I made so. a bag. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> well, congratulations. That's a big step. Yeah. 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 It's a big step on my way towards root mastery. Owning a home. Well, now you have real space to put all the expansions, you know, instead yeah, of exactly. shoving them in closets. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, did you guys know that Creed was originally called Naked Toddler? Okay. So, <laughs> really? So, was yeah. that pre Christian? Uh, no, I think they were all Christian at the time. I think oh, that so was that is a like terrible a terrible name to baby Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> all right. Let's continue. Speaking of the Marauder expansion. We are covering landmarks and hirelings today. Ooh, yeah. I do want to preface this. These are like initial impressions and a little bit of like just like some fun talk and theory crafting around these components because we haven't gotten into them too much. They weren't on display in the winter tournament with the exception of the Lost City. And so I think we should just kind of read out the components. We kind of talk about... Uh, their uses, are we excited about them? What kind of uh, interactions can we foresee? And the hope is that we have this episode, we get everybody excited, and then uh, when we do go on our summer break, which is imminent 
Guard your hearts, everybody. We will be off the air for a, for a, a good chunk of the summer. Several listeners stopped breathing for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, Keep breathing, folks. Yeah, I. we are going to be gone for a couple months during the summer, and I would encourage everyone to try to explore these components because these are the kind of things we're going to have like deeper analysis on come season three. Season three. Return of the King. I have a pitch for you because I feel like this is low stakes if we're just going to be talking about it and being surmising perhaps all of the options. What if we all have to make at least a limited prediction? Or maybe as a group, we should make a prediction and we'll see if it comes true in season three. About each of these? Sure. Okay. And by a prediction, I mean like who will utilize it most or like is it mm. going to be considered underpowered, overpowered, okay. etc. Yeah, you know? we're, we're encouraged to have hot takes here. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Okay, I got, okay. I got a couple lined up for sure. All right, cool. All right. I got a question. Shoot. Landmarks. What are they and how do they work? As I recall from when we when we played them a few times, uh, you can access them if you have pieces in their clearing, generally speaking, right? Yeah, I think that's generally the rule with them. They uh, These landmarks exist in a clearing and usually, yeah, you have to be have a piece in that clearing in order to interact with it. Yeah, There are two landmarks that we've been using longer than we've known what the word landmark was, and that is the tower and the ferry. Those have specific rules how they were tied to the mountain and lake map respectively, but now... You can use them on any map, given uh, we have these new landmark rules. So uh, you could play with the tower on the autumn map or the winter map. Uh, you can use the ferry on any map. So it's it's. Uh, can you have multi? You can have one to two. Is that right? Yeah, the rules suggest one to two, but I truly don't see any reason why you couldn't just throw all six in the game. And to be clear, folks, what they are, for those of you that are really ignorant about what's going on with these, there are pieces that will um, exist in clearings and they have cards that represent uh, what they do. We'll get into the details of them, but they can't be interacted with other than their ability. They can't be battled. They can't be moved or removed, I don't think. Uh, is, is that true for like Scorched Earth? Right, Scorched Earth, they are not enemy pieces, so they cannot be removed from that. Right. You can move the fairy, obviously. But... They don't affect oppression, for example, because they're not considered right. enemy pieces, right? Okay, cool. Right. So like neutral buildings that players can generally access. Right, right. Okay. And then the hirelings. Sam, I have a question. Yeah. What are they? And how do they work? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jake. Hirelings are like mini versions of factions that are used to fill out lower player count games. Each hireling has a card that is either on the promoted or demoted side. Uh, promoted, uh, I think, almost always means it has pieces on the board, and demoted usually doesn't. And presumably, even by their names, promoted tends to have a lot more interaction, whereas demoted is a little bit more limited, like one or two rules sets yeah demoted tends to be like you get a a little ability mm -hmm. or like a way to break a rule and promoted usually means you're controlling some pieces and placing pieces on the board when you cross four points eight points and or 12 points on the score marker uh, at the end of your turn you will take a hireling and roll the hireling die uh, the control die. You will take when you say you will take a hireling. There's presumably some that were. There's always set up. three, two yeah. promoted or two demoted, one promoted. 
uh, depending on player count. That's the case with a three-player game. In a okay. two-player game, they're all promoted. In a four-player game, only one is promoted. And if you play it in a five-player game, they're all demoted. <laughs> okay. Yep. I'll write that down. Yep. Okay. So uh, the person who uh, crosses those point thresholds that we talked about, four, eight, and 12, uh, will take a hireling and roll the control die. Uh, the control die will have gold or kind of like maroon pips on it. And if you are the leader, if you are the person with the most points, then you get only the gold pips. And that's how many turns you get to control the hireling you just chose. I'm going to push back. I think it's like a pumpkin orange. Okay. I like that. We'll call it a red orange or an orange red for the pod. <laughs> there you um, go. But you, uh, if you're not the leader, then you will roll the die and uh, receive uh, the things that way. When you say you get- leader, you mean the point leader? That's correct. The score leader? Okay. Uh, at the end of a turn uh, that you don't acquire it, you will always remove one of the control markers from the hireling card. And if it is empty, then you hand it to a player of your choice. So that adds kind of an interesting social dynamic in terms of who you're giving this power to and when. Who then rolls, rolls the, the die, die, presumably, and mm-hmm. then gets a number of pips to have it on control. Right. I've seen it played all the ways where you hand it to the person in last place. It seems like the obvious choice, but then they're going to have all the pips on the die, so they are going to control it for longer. Where I've also seen somebody give it to the point leader knowing that they're only going to have it for one or two turns. Right. And especially if it's like an Eerie going into turmoil or a Vagabond going into the forest, that turn they're not going to be able to combo it with their Mm. faction pieces in the same way. That's clever. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like constantly this idea of like a clock counting down, right? And they've tied this in really nicely with the uh, the theming of the hirelings. I feel like it used to exist just as this thing where like you kind of fill out the board in like a low reach game or a low player count game. But they've given it a nice little theme twist here. Uh, it says the hirelings lend their services to the faction in the lead, attracted to promises of fame and glory, but grow dissatisfied as the conflict drags on and eventually change allegiance to a new patron, which I think is a cool way to think about it, right? Like you've got this diminishing kind of control marker. You're losing control slowly over this hireling faction. And uh, then it's going to switch allegiances. I I don't know. I think it's kind of fun, like an hourglass component to playing Root. Uh, So there's no other way to gain control of the hireling. You have to wait for the timer to expire and then it goes somewhere else. Is that right? Yeah. Great. You can you can either get it first by getting to four, eight, or twelve points, mm-hmm. or it must be gifted to. And then from then, it's just timers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I notice, and we'll talk about these uh, when we get to the individual hirelings. But a lot of hirelings are like, oh, on your turn, you could take an action with them, or you could put more of them on the board. Yeah. You know, I noticed that that's like a theme and it's kind of dangerous to put more on the board knowing that you're not going to control this thing for the whole game. So I've noticed that as a weird push pull in the games of hirelings I've played. Are the hirelings numerous? There, uh, some of them have uh, faction pieces. The cats have 12. Whoa, holy cow. Yeah. That's more than the Alliance has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Forest right. Patrol has more warriors than the Woodland Alliance. So. <laughs> All right, well, that's that's sympathetic. I understand. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's just get into it. Let's start with, let's knock out the landmarks first. All right. All right. The first one we got is Black Market. Jake, 
Black Market Setup. You place the Black Market Landmark in a clearing that has exactly one building slot and no ruin. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to one. Draw three cards, but do not look at them. Place them face down next to the Black Market card. Then flip the Black Market card over, upon which it says, On their turn, a player with faction pieces at the Black Market may swap any one face down card next to the Black Market with a card from their hand, placing it face down. So it's a... Uh... It's an otter exchange in a way, except instead of giving uh, funds, you're giving one of your own cards, right? Yeah, it also reminds me of swap meat. Better, better analogy. It's a good swap meat. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like swapping a swap meat with three random cards from the deck, and then eventually other players' cards that they've discarded. I don't have any first hand experience with black market unfortunately i think it's cool but i can also imagine that this is where the garbage gets dumped <laughs> in terms of your hand and then yeah you know it doesn't cost you anything you might as well take a look you know i, I suspect though that there's plenty of factions that are going to be looking for suits and so the garbage might get picked up pretty quickly depending yeah. on that right because it's not just about being good for lizards and moles because Mm -hmm. people are probably not putting bird cards in there yeah that's a real good point i imagine uh, you know that's a good place to throw a dominance card too so yeah Mm -hmm. i mean people lizards are always going dumpster diving anyway so that might help them a little bit but other than that i it's so situational yeah oh jake did it have restrictions when you set it up about which kind of clearing it could be in uh, it said in a clearing that has exactly one building slot and no ruin. Okay, interesting. All right, so in most maps, that's going to limit it to an edge. Or all of them? Um, it's always I, I'm sure there are clearings probably on every map where, well, actually, I don't know. No, I don't I think I feel like so. that's going to be on the edge. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine every single map and all the buildings. I guess I don't imagine if it's high priority uh, for people to go grab at the outset unless they have a crappy hand. I would think that at the beginning is when that landmark is going to be the most impactful. Right, because you're constantly swapping powerful cards for weaker cards. Right. Until it's just... Is it going to be fought over if there's only one building slot? Well, you don't even have to like, rule the clearing. You just I know, but either. it also it serves your purpose to kind of like have a base <laughs> like i mean right right there yeah. still is the whole game of root was, yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah. uh any hot predictions okay so this is our prediction it's gonna be where the trash gets dumped is that yeah. what we're saying yeah i i think it's gonna be good for lizards my my guess is that this one is not going to light the world on fire it seems fine i love the idea of more cards but again because everyone's gonna be dumping their trash cards with the exception of like lizards and moles who like don't like bird cards, it kind of feels like you can look at a card and it's basically as good for you as it is for another faction with a couple notable exceptions of like cards that are really good for certain factions, but they're pretty good for you too. So you're not going to throw them in there. Doesn't it actually also help factions that are helping each other? Cause they can kind of effectively trade cards. Ooh. So like, yeah, if you need to empower somebody, this gives you an ability to empower them. Right. right. If they're in that faction, if they're in that clearing too, I could do it. If I had a bird card, you've heard, <laughs> you know, Well, let's go shopping together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's true. You just got to hope that it's there's no players between you and that player trying to get a card too that also wants right. a bird card. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That, I think that that's a potential. Yeah. That'll get unlocked a little bit. 
I feel like our instinct about this being stronger at the beginning of the game is seems pretty on point, which means that if you during ad set get set up over by where the black market is, um, you know, that perhaps is going to give you access to the cards you need to get your engine online. You know, just a little bit of improved card advantage is never a bad thing. Getting that early in the game going to be super helpful. Could help you gain control of a hireling if you cross that four-point threshold. It's also face down, which is another option for deception. Just tell them, all right, I left the bird card over there. Go ahead and mm-hmm. spend your moves to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you see between the three face down cards which one was traded out, even if you don't know which it is. It's not yeah, like but a what was played in what? But what was played back in? Right, you don't know. Right, you're right. You're just going off of trust. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. Black market. What's next? We got the Elder Treetop. Jake? Not recommended for two-player games. Why? (laughs) Well, we'll find out. Set up. Place the Elder Treetop landmark in a corner clearing. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to one. Flip this card over where it says, The Elder Treetop adds a building slot to its clearing. Whenever a player removes an enemy building from the Elder Treetop slot, they score an extra point. Parentheses two in total, not one. Yeah. So here's my hot take about the Elder Treetop. It kind of sucks. Which is why I think it's not recommended for two-player games, because if you go by the limitation of one to two landmarks, you don't want to waste one on this. (laughs) I mean, maybe. (laughs) I doubt that's what they were thinking. They're like, Uh, that's my guess. This this one's crappy. Let's not let people choose it in a two-player game. Well, just because it's not as impactful, right? It's like one extra slot in a world of plenty of slots when there's only two players in a corner why is it in a corner to i guess let turtling be possible for certain people is my guess right so uh, i don't know i i guess like a, a landmark that doesn't encourage interaction feels weird well that is the incentive the extra point right so then what you do as the person who has control of the clearing with the Elder Treetop is you just have that building slot and you use it at the last possible second. You don't prioritize building. You just have one banked, right? Yeah. Like you can imagine the Cats player. Great. They're trying to find all the other clearings and then the turn where they can't move and build, they'll plop something down on the Elder Treetop. And then you're like, oh, now I'm going to go out of my whole way to score one extra point. Also, if the keep's there, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it. I've played with the Elder Treetop in three games so far, and I have never seen the clearing trade hands, and I've never seen somebody use it, use that building slot until the very end of the game. But wouldn't it benefit the cats if they got it early on? Because they could get the Empire rolling quicker if it was in... Well, it's just you'd, you're prioritizing every other building slot because this building slot comes with a liability which is that it encourages other players to maybe take it out for an extra point. But like, it, what if it's in the slot with the keep? You just have another building slot there, right? Yeah, that's what I've seen, yeah. Well, well, that's good. It's good for the cats. It just doesn't encourage any player interaction. Sure, true. It, <laughs> I, I've just, I've seen it fall flat in three games, and I've been, I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad about it. Because I think the extra building slot is a great idea. I almost want it to be the exact opposite, where it has to be placed in the central clearing. And when you remove a a building from that slot, you get zero points. Oh, 
Interesting. Because then it would be like, oh, I really want to be in this clearing and I want to build on that because then people won't. It's the building they least want to take out. I feel like that's like the uh, the elder sinkhole is what that. Is. <laughs> yeah, I want the I want the young sinkhole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brand new parking lot. So that's my hot take. But what what your other- hot take is? This sucks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll predict in the future it'll still suck. <laughs> I mean, here's the here's the issue, you guys. If we have another leader guest on next episode and they do the same thing that they did last time which was listen to the episode just previous to the one they came on (laughs) i don't want to be on the record saying that this landmark sucks but if i'm talking to all the whimmies out there i want people to find an interesting use for elder treetop because so far i've just seen it kind of be there yeah it's just there yeah okay I can't come up with anything. It's fair, but I was a little yeah. flat. Like I guess it does encourage turtling in a way because it's just if you want to have that clearing with an extra slot and utilize it, then you're gonna defend it higher. Right, right. Because the incentive is to create a bit of a nexus, right? Something that draws attention and kind of mm-hmm. gives people something to fight over. But I feel like it is almost like a red herring a little bit because mm-hmm. it'd be foolish to yes. set up your main location on a fat target, right? Yeah. Like, that would be the blinking red thing on the boss that everyone would go immediately attack. I mean, maybe in that way it could be used as a bit of a, a like diversion if you're the cats or something. Like give people an obvious target to go after while you like build up somewhere else. But I just don't know if, if any game of Root is long enough to really make that payoff. Let's let's find a good use for it. Because I, I imagine there's like some very situational like strategic consideration that we can't think of right now but could be interesting about it Mm -hmm. yeah that's what this summer's for this this is the summer of elder treetop and finding a good (laughs) use for it it feels like soup kitchens where i'm like i see the idea and i want it to matter and it i it just hasn't but now everybody like (laughs) constantly can bring up soup kitchens when there's there's an opportunity yeah for sure uh all right let's move on the fairy oh we know this one well jake Set up. Place the fairy landmark in a clearing on the river. Obviously, on this is the same thing from the lake map, but if you are on any of the other maps, now it exists here. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to one in its starting clearing. If you turn this card over, you'll see that once per turn, a player taking a move from the fairy's clearing can move to an adjacent clearing along the river, moving the fairy as well. This follows normal movement rules. On the lake map, the fairy can move to another coastal clearing. After taking this move, that player draws one card. Yeah. It's good. Uh, obviously, it not being on the lake map uh, changes things. I would say on the winter map, it's interesting because you can kind of go east-west. The mountain map is very interesting for the ferry because there's mm-hmm. only three clearings. And so you can get halfway across the map in one move. Wow, that's pretty cool. And then the autumn map, yeah, there's five river clearings. So... Th- it's going to be moving pretty slow, and I imagine it's going to be hard to control. But as we've learned from the lake map, people like the card draw as well, right? It's not oh, just yeah. a movement thing. I mean, that's really why you do it. You right. move so you can draw a card. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get some, you know, meeple placement benefit out of it as well, then that's just a cherry on top. But yeah, you just want that card. That's why it's funny. It's like it's called the fairy as if the movement was the primary source of it. <laughs> right. But really, it should be like the 
book boat or something like that, right? <laughs> we really care about the library on board. A friendly cruise. <laughs> a networking a float down the river. <laughs> Just glad handing with partisans. Uh, yeah. It does say the fairy is found in the Underworld expansion for use on the lake map. You may play the lake map without the fairy. I can't imagine that would be very fun. Well, I mean... I, I would love to give that a go because <laughs> that's that's an that's interesting map thing. when yeah. you can't go across the river. But I mean, I've played lake map games where somebody's hogging the ferry. Sure, that's true. And that's so it kind of happens anyway, but that's true. Uh, yeah, it, it would be very fun to do that. I mean, it makes otters, uh, you know, riverboats very valuable. It makes the car. This opens up the winter map considerably. Yeah, definitely. Well, it, it kind of depends because I think what a strategy might be if you're on winter map to like kind of keep the ferry over to the side of the map mm-hmm. <laughs> so that people can't just cross the middle for free. It's it's the kind of thing where you want it to benefit you without also benefiting your opponents. Mm-hmm. And if you sail that thing across the center of the winter map, well, then it's in a clearing where your opponents can just sail right on back across the middle. Well, but that's the thing, though, like even though if you want to keep it on an edge clearing, Kyle, to get it. To draw a card, you have to go into one of the middle ones because it's only four clearings the river, right? Right. Yeah. yeah so you're going to put it into that zone if you're going to use it. And someone else will use it if you don't. Yeah. It could be really ping-pongy on winter map. I, I yeah. feel like that might be a nice addition, actually. I think so, too. I think – I mean, that's what people like about the winter map is you can't get around it very easily. <laughs> so I like that wild card a little bit, but it does it does change the winter map from something it was. I mean, what do we think, gang? Because before – before the only way to use the ferry was on the lake map and therefore when you're moving you have a choice of three clearings to go to right assuming you rule your destination or your initial clearing right like you can go to any of those things whereas on all of the other maps you just have to go to the next Next one clearing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the river so i don't know is that going to make it change hands more Probably, and I feel like it will make it matter for movement less. I think people are just like you guys made the point that, that people are so attracted to the card draw. That's just going to be too tempting of an option, I think, because it's 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 also any time on their turn, right? Yeah, I think it's just once per turn. So because it's once per turn and isn't limited to when, you also can like get that card early and check it out. I just think it's too tempting of an offer to not be bouncing around i feel like we all kind of gun for it when it's there on the lake it just feels like it's never there for us at the lake because someone else has used it (laughs) well cool i mean i don't what's our prediction i think it will dramatically change the winter map when it's on there yeah i think mountain map has some interesting interactions too Mm -hmm. i really kind of just wish you could go to any river clearing with it you know yeah teleport around the river yeah it seems cool i think that would open up some pretty interesting possibilities for sure yeah especially on autumn map but like as yeah, it stands on autumn map crazy. that's like too like you picture like oh i'm gonna put these meeples on this boat and i'm gonna sail all the way up there but you're not you're gonna sail next door and then somebody else is gonna steal your boat so it just <laughs> i don't know i don't know but drawing a card is great i mean that it's a great landmark yeah. I, it's it continues to rock yeah, yeah. i think it's yeah. great and speaking of rock, do you guys know that Creed was the executive producers for the Scream 3 soundtrack? So what was their involvement in the process? <laughs> um, I believe they had a couple of songs that went over the credits or something. I'm not really sure. <laughs> uh, which, what, was there a single or anything? 
the songs What If and This Is This the End mm. uh, were featured on the, the soundtrack. And it wouldn't be the end of Creed or the Scream franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Legendary Forge, Jake. <laughs> This was Creed's seventh single off of their fourth album. Legendary Forge is a song about how Christ's hammer was built in a day. <laughs> the man was a carpenter. He knew his way around building And hammers. a bit of a blacksmith. Yeah. <laughs> it took a day to make the hammer. Legendary Forge in the setup placed the Legendary Forge landmark in a clearing. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to one. Remove the items below from the item supply on the map based on the suit of the Legendary Forge's clearing. So there are uh, four items per suit, fox, mouse, and rabbit. Uh, For the fox, it's two swords, a crossbow, and a hammer. For the mouse, it's two bags, two tea. And for the rabbit, it's two boots, two coins. You will remove those from the supply on the map, okay? Then on the Legendary Forge's other sides, it says to craft an item that's on this card, you must have a faction piece at the Legendary Forge. You still follow normal crafting rules. Whenever you craft an item on this card, draw a card and score an extra point. Score it even if you have disdain or contempt for trade. So of note, you don't have to have a crafting piece in the clearing with the Legendary Forge, just any piece. And therefore though, but must still also have a crafting piece in the appropriate places to craft that item. Right, of course. So it's an additional requirement really. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that it scores an extra point. You get to draw a replacement card, uh, so it makes the quest worth it. Pretty fun. I like this one. Wait, you get to draw a replacement card? Whenever you craft an item on this card, draw a card and score an extra point. Yeah, so you replace that card. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This isn't any forge. This is a legendary forge. Yeah, Yeah. that forge is legendary. An extra point and a card, that is... This is good. This yeah. is a good landmark where it's like, oh, you're going to want to utilize this. Like, yeah. It's a combination of um, Marine Broker Ugh. and uh, <laughs> what's the other one? You Master Engravers. Extra point. Master Engravers. Yeah. It's like a combination of both of those cards in one landmark. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine Master Engravers and this? Yeah. Geez. Yikes. This it seems like a fairly achievable prerequisite right yeah just having any of your pieces in the same clearing but i i kind of feel like this does what uh the elder treetop kind of wanted to do which is create a little bit of like a nexus for people to fight over Mm -hmm. because it's in your best interest if you see that like the cats have some rabbit crafting pieces and then they get one of their little cats over in the legendary forge you're just like, I'm eliminating that cat before they have the chance to craft the coins. Right. Because of note, you actually can't craft any items in that suit unless you have a faction piece of the Legendary Forge. So wow, even if you have wow. the two workshops in Rabbit, you oh. can't make that coins happen until you get... Oh, that's a good point. ...a cat over in the Forge. So they all correspond to that, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So th- there's a little incentive to uh, lock other players out of that, if possible. Oh. It's interesting to think the Vagabond won't have access to these items unless they're actually in that clearing. So that's my question is how did the Vagabond and the Warlord feel about this landmark? Like it incentivizes people to get them out, I guess, but it also locks those things to the people who can do it. Oh, I think the Vagabond would have a strong preference to have the Legendary Forge be on either a fox or a rabbit clearing because... The thing I think that would affect the Vagabond the most is the fact that the other players would be unable to craft at will, right? Yeah. 
those items which are already in great demand and low supply would be even harder to come by. So Mm. that could slow down the Vagabond even more. And it means that if the Vagabond is going to craft something from that suit, they have to go to that clearing with the Legendary Forge, which makes them a huge target. Mm -hmm. And you can read what they're going to try and do a mile away. If you're like, oh, they're coming over towards the forge. Maybe they've got a sword or crossbow or something if it's in a fox clearing. I don't know, though, Kyle. I think that maybe the incentive structure makes people craft those items knowing that, uh uh-oh, usually I wouldn't craft a T this early, but it's three points and a card. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Uh, Yeah, I guess so. But I hear you, an extra requirement might slow down crafting. I haven't played with this one personally, so I it would be interesting to see if this increases the crafting of those suits or does restrict it. I mean, if you're the warlord, you're just going to hang out near the forge and wait, right? They go inside, you hear them work, they come outside, you jump them. <laughs> yeah, you loot yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, you loot them. <laughs> So actually, one thing we kind of skipped over when talking about landmarks is who puts these landmarks where? So during setup, the last player in turn order sets up one of the landmarks, and then the second to the last sets up the second one, presumably if you're playing with two. Right. So it's not a group choice. It's not any... It's those players' choices. Yeah, and of note, those people choose their faction in setup first. So you can kind of throw the landmarks where you're going to go. Assuming you know which faction, you know, if it's on an edge and you're a faction that sets up on an edge, you know, you can kind of game that a bit. Though you won't know the flop of factions when you do that, but you kind of get first dibs about where to set up and therefore can set up right on a landmark. If you are the Vagabond, do you want this landmark in the game? My theory is that it will incentivize reckless crafting of certain items that people wouldn't craft for the Vagabond earlier. Otherwise, okay. Um, But I also could buy Kyle's theory of that it's an extra restriction making it harder to craft. I think it really depends on how accessible the Legendary Forge is. If it's all the way in the corner, if it's in the top strip of the winter map, then the Vagabond is going to be mad that those items are kind of locked away. If it's you know, in uh, the Texas clearing of the autumn map or one of the central clearings of the winter map or the pass in the mountain map, then maybe it's going to be all right. So I don't know. Jury's out on this one. I object. (laughs) Well, I think that's a good enough prediction is that we'll we'll, we'll see where the vagabond lands on this. And I, I think the warlord feels like the warlord wants it in. Yeah, well, you get points for crafting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally. (laughs) All right, moving on. And an extra card, which is... Oh, yeah, especially. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next. We have the tower. Jake, let's hit us with the tower. It's the tower. That's right. You might know this from the mountain map. Set up, place the tower landmark in a clearing that has a ruin. It cannot have a landmark. Then flip this card over. At the end of a player's evening, if they rule the tower's clearing, they score one point. This is a great landmark. I love this landmark. Uh, it makes sense. You know, if you control the clearing at the end of your turn, you get a point. I also love the setup of it being in one of the ruin clearings. They tend to be the more central clearings. There's a couple exceptions to that. Obviously, the lake map ruins are a little wonky. But it feels like if somebody's able to just hold the tower the whole game, or for most of the game, it will inspire someone to go, no, 
You're not keeping that tower where yeah. you get that extra point every turn. I'm going to come and take the tower. It adds a king of the hill mode to the game, yeah. which is so sweet. And like what the game kind kind of needs sometimes when everybody's like in their own corner, just glaring at each other. Right. I think I think there was some pushback on the tower uh, right before this expansion came out because it was only featured on the mountain map. And the mountain map has six extra points already with the uncovered <laughs> yeah. paths. Yeah. So it really doesn't need the tower as well. However, the tower is just a great landmark, and so it's going to make these other maps much more interesting. When you guys first showed me the mountain map, because I think I was introduced to it by you guys, I thought the tower was the coolest thing about it. Like, the pass is <laughs> yeah. whatever, but the, the tower, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Also, you can put a meeple on top of this tower. <laughs> the fit. Elder Treetop, you can put a building on the building slot, whatever. But like in terms of interacting with these physical pieces, you can put meeples on the raft. You can put meeples on the tower. That's what I like to see in a landmark. I think this is going to make games more awesome. I love this. <laughs> I love this landmark. I think yeah. this is going to be worth it. Yeah, this is, you know, you can say it might escalate the game too fast if somebody holds it the whole time, but I just feel like it makes the game more interesting and more interactive. So I'm very high on the tower. Yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll be the devil's advocate here yeah. and uh, bring up the point that I've heard from Marcus and from Garrick on occasion as well, that the uh, the tower, especially in the context of the mountain map, yeah, can accelerate the game kind of too much yeah because uh specifically on mountain up because there's other available points to score with removing those covered passes or pathways sorry and just you know the the availability of bonus points can put somebody in range of winning the game and make it just very hard to stop uh too early so the factions don't all get that time they need to kind of clash and keep each other balanced as it were so this this could kind of fuel that sort of situation where people are just racing and not getting entangled yeah i'm gonna play that's, devil's devil's advocate that's my like, devil's advocate for th this but one. that's the, the point of the landmarks is to switch it up right is now this one turns a timer on the game in an interesting way like i i concede the point about the mountain map that's true because of the pathway points it probably is too many points on the board for people to get too often but absent that map's context this is a thing that like forces people to address the situation, which was the otters have been sitting there for four turns, guys. We have to do something mm. about it. <laughs> like we don't have that conversation normally about certain clearings. So it's like most people are just like, great, their otters, whoever is the moles are sitting there. Let's just not deal with it. But if the moles are sitting there gaining more points. We have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. And at the very end of the day, you know, what's nice is a lot of time you have to do a bunch of police work and you might not get any points. <laughs> but if you rule this clearing at the yeah. end of your turn, at least you'll get one. That's you know? a really good point is that it incentivizes you to break it up because then you get something for it beyond just stopping them. Right. I like that. We'll see what the we'll see what the consensus is on that, because I I, I totally hear the that argument, Kyle, um, about it, maybe accelerating it so much that we don't get to see the factions fully play their full game. But yeah. That's what the penalty of a timer can be. All right. Final landmark. The only true and living landmark, <laughs> the Lost City. The Lost City, you may remember it from the Root Winter Tournament. During its setup, you placed the Lost City landmark in a clearing on the river. On the lake map, obviously, you'll place that in a coastal clearing. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to one. Then you flip it over and it says the Lost City's clearing is treated as being fox, mouse, and rabbit suit. 
So really quick for an example, it says with two crafting pieces here, you could say one is fox and one is mouse. For outrage, you can be given any card from your hand. In the alliance can revolt with mixed suits, which is pretty insane. The cult can place gardens of any suits, but must craft using their printed suits. The duchy counts this one for sway. <laughs> and you could play a mouse ambush, then the attacker could play a fox ambush. Those are just many of the, I would say, uh, 50,000 possible interactions with this clearing or this Every landmark. ambush works here. <laughs> there, everybody's hiding in the trees here. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, you can craft, I mean, most people can craft any item from here. Uh, you can use any card from your hand to attempt to expose a plot. <laughs> this is an extra suit on the map for dominance plays. Birds can't okay. turmoil here very easily. I guess no. you could if you can't build there, right? But beyond right. that... Corvid's always recruit an extra warrior there. You know, yep. That's huge. That one's big. Yeah, That one happens nearly every turn, you see it. I guess it technically doesn't remove a clearing from no. the pool. It just makes it everything, right? So right. Not Essentially, less. there are five of one suit, mm -hmm. five of another suit, and four of one suit. So yeah, one suit is kind of short-suited. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. Every It's the other two suits get a buff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's really what it is. It's like, yeah. yeah, it just didn't get the bonus. Yeah, We'll probably spend way more time delving into this piece because it's just so crazy interactive with so many different things but for today i think what's our what's our prediction like most popular most likely to succeed by far i think it already is the best landmark uh because of how like wild and the implications of it are so big i feel like that's why i want like the ferry to be able to go to any river clearing or something like that like i like when it's like uh-oh that's important yeah you know like take notice of this landmark not just like a dash of salt in the game i like when it brings a completely new flavor and lost city i haven't ever played a game with it where i didn't find out something new <laughs> and how it interacts with lost and city. it kind of blew your mind I've, I've seen several facial expressions where you're gripping your face oh my gosh yeah yeah just yeah the possibilities are you endless. could put down Multiple bases of different suits in the clearing with the last. That's city. nuts to me. Right. Wait, can you? Well, I know you can revolt with a rabbit and a fox, but can you put multiple bases in a clearing? Ooh, okay, that's a good question. Let's. What find does out. revolt say? Why couldn't you? If it says like in a in a clearing, clearing that, doesn't a base. A base. that doesn't have bases, that's yeah. I mean, I assume they. I imagine they never wrote it like that because they wouldn't have assumed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 The Vagabond can complete any quest here. Yeah, it just says place a matching base and warriors there equal to the total number of matching sympathetic clearings. Dang. Revolt any number of times. I mean, is Dang. that a good idea, Kyle? You're our Woodland Alliance expert. Don't you want like your bases spread out? Uh, I don't think it's a great idea. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just extra cardboard there for people to go after, I guess. I mean, crafting wise, I think it's a decent idea. Because you're going to probably have sympathy there, and that sympathy is going to be like super helpful. But base-wise, I don't know. It could go either way. I, I don't think it's the most efficient use, perhaps, but... It's going to make everybody's eyes go wide at the table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, mean, it's a fun thing to do. The Badgers love the Lost City, because yeah. you can use basically any card in your retinue to do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. they love All sure. favors destroy the Lost City. Whoa, you're right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's an explosive place. That's crazy. There's just <laughs> yeah. people in robes and torches just outside in the woods waiting. Yeah, it is it is the most ambushed place. It is the most place likely to be revolted on. It is the place most likely to have a conspiracy there. It makes sense thematically because it's just a bunch of hollowed out buildings and in other shadows everybody's waiting to stab each other. Yeah, thousand <laughs> percent. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I can't wait to stab you guys all summer in the lost city. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. All right. That's the landmarks. Now let's go explore the hirelings. Now, we already talked about how to hire them, but to be clear, when there's two sides of the hirelings, there's its promoted side, which is much more interactive, and then there's its demoted side, which has a different name and really just kind of has an effect based on who controls it. Uh, so the first one we're reviewing today is the Vault Keepers. Yeah, very nice. Vault Keepers set up, place two Keeper Warriors and a Vault building in any clearing with an open building slot if no keeper pieces are on the map place two keeper warriors and a vault building in any clearing uh so for the setup of the hirelings you can't have the faction that it is in the game right right you set up the hirelings first and then those factions are not available in the draft okay and a vault piece is unique to this uh hireling i assume yeah yeah it's a little cute little vault uh building token it's very cute then we have a daylight symbol that says, first, you may place a vault in a clearing with a vault or adjacent to one. If you cannot, place a warrior and a vault in any clearing. Then second, you may battle in each clearing with a vault or you may place a keeper warrior at each vault. Yeah, this is a pretty classic thing you're going to find with almost all the hirelings, which is on their promoted side, uh, if you're dealing with like warriors and buildings and stuff like that, there's going to be... Usually it's framed as a choice, but sometimes you do both. Uh, but there's going to be an element where you're either placing warriors at certain locations, usually at the buildings, or you're using those warriors to battle or to like move in battle, for example. Uh, there's there's a couple of interesting twists on this, but I, I feel like this is a great one to start with because this is such a like A1 hireling type of thing to happen. It's like you can place this building down, you can recruit a guy to it. Or you can use the guys that are at the thing to battle. I believe that this is the only hireling with buildings. Oh, interesting. And so can they presumably be, be removed for points? As long as you don't control them. Yeah. Right. They or you don't pieces. use a hireling to remove it. You will not score a point for having a hireling remove cardboard. But they are considered enemy pieces otherwise when they are yeah, controlled Yeah, if you don't control them, they are enemy pieces. Okay. Yep. Yes, that is true. This is the only one with buildings, as far as I can tell. I think the rest just have the uh, different types of tokens that you can right. place warriors at. Additionally, what makes them unique is the fact that you just straight up, as the second, one of the second options, is you straight up battle in all of the places that have vaults. That's kind of what makes them more unique as well. Yeah, which could be quite powerful, right? As if you can establish a couple of vaults, uh, then that just becomes a place where you can like wear down the defenses of uh, another faction there or protect your own area. Well, um, depending on who controls this hireling faction, I feel like that's uh, that's a, a really big deal with this one. Yeah, I think it's a really weird thing with the hirelings in terms of are you going to set them up? to do something because you're going to lose them soon. Well, this is a, this is a catch 22 that you kind of talked about in the beginning for all of the hirelings, right? Is how strong do you make something that you will lose control of? Right. Okay. Exactly. Well, because presumably this one is going to battle fairly often. 
they're gonna die right <laughs> yeah so this true. one maybe is a little safer in that way yeah i don't know yeah how many uh uh vault keeper warriors are there there are six there are six so after that six is depleted there are no additional supplies you don't grab keepers from the keepers well, it, iron. i think it says when if there are no on the board then you get to play some and this one's really cute because it's in profile and you can see the little like badger hoodie and yeah. he's got a key it's very cute uh, up now, there's actually also six vaults. So there's an equal number of buildings as warriors, which I feel like is fairly unusual. Yeah, that is... I feel like it's dangerous to place a vault if you can't protect them. Well, agree. but Go you're going to lose control of it soon there, Sam. So if it suddenly loses Ooh. control, it's free gravy, right? Or as you like to say, mm, cardboard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You could set yourself up for your own little cardboard buffet there. That's interesting. <laughs> I'll build this vault only to burn it down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Let's build this all in my territory. But then you lose it, and then people place a bunch of keeper warriors in those clearings. You better make sure you you get rid of them all when you when you make your strike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, that is Vault Keepers. Any big predictions about Vault Keepers, the promoted side of the Badger hirelings? So, actually, I have a question. So, interaction-wise, when players go to attack that vault, do you defend with your warriors because you control that faction? No, they are choosing the hireling faction As to... a target. Yep, and okay. they, they roll against them. You cannot ambush for the hirelings. Your hand is not their hand. Yep. Understood. Your crafted improvements are not their crafted improvements. Sure. Yep. All right. Then let's move on to the demoted side of the Badger hirelings. We're talking about Badger bodyguards. That's right. These Kevin Costner-looking little freaks have a huge tower shield in front of them, and they're hiding behind it. It says, if you are their controller, in battle, you ignore the first hit that you take. This does not combine with other effects that that let you ignore the first hit you take. So, again, it's only... The first, not the first after the first. Right. That's yeah. big, though. It's every battle. Yeah. You are keepers in iron as if you had a relic hanging out there. Right. Yeah. It's better than keepers of iron because, yeah, you don't need that relic. And there's not the liability of the relic. It's just every attack against you, you can take a hit. Couple this with the Woodland Alliance's Gorilla War. Oh, my gosh. You're not taking hits. That's crazy. It's really good this is a really good demoted ability for sure yeah i mean i haven't seen devoted knights this powerful since the creed concert in knoxville in may of 2000 yes when they opened for stained great call (laughs) well attended concert too i think solid like thirty-one thousand people yeah it was actually it was almost ten thousand people Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was quite a lot a lot of people outside the gates because it was so oversold out Fair enough, and because Heaven Only has room for so many people. Right. Let's move on to the live album starting in 2001. (laughs) Anything about Badger Bodyguards, co-hosts? This is so cool because, like, the Warlord can always be stubborn and something else, right? Right. Well, this specifically doesn't stack with stubborn. That's what I'm saying, is they don't have to be stubborn. They are doing something else and getting stubborn, too. That is totally fair, yeah. So you can be relentless and stubborn at the same time. If if you're the... (laughs) Woodland Alliance and you control this, like, is there even any point in battling them? No. If you want to die. Unless you deal an extra hit and have a ton of battle actions to, like, counteract the first hit they take, then you also have to have battle buffs. There's no way 
even like I would not send eight moles with three battles against them because like Jake said, you just want to die <laughs> at that point. Yeah, you're just going to be uh, it's just a meat grinder at that yeah, point. Yeah, your goal yeah. is to uh, fill the coffin maker with your own. <laughs> Ooh, yes. yeah, you're right. You're right, Jake. That is a good point. That's when you would want to do it for yeah. sure. Love love these guys. This is a great demoted faction to have. Um, my prediction is people will get aggressive when they have it, right? Yeah. They have the opportunity to. Wait, it's, yeah, it's just in battle, right? In Attacker battle. Or Not, yeah, it doesn't matter. So Jeez. it's going to incentivize people to get rampagey. And those rampagey factions to be hitting more safely, which is I terrifying. I think the demoted side of this hireling is better than the promoted side, <laughs> yeah. if I'm real. It really <laughs> is real. pretty cool. Yeah. I, I feel like that's going to have implications on the game. When you are handing that power to someone at the table, that is an interesting choice. Because that person is going to be hard to touch for anywhere between one and four turns. Yeah. They're going to get a little bit of a, a halo for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't speaking I can't of popular guys. bands like Creed <laughs> let's look at this next hireling known as popular band I feel like you guys think this is a comedy podcast and it's a podcast about Root okay, <laughs> okay I okay. feel like you used to have a sense of humor oh yeah no I have to know the shit about Root now like I all joy for this game has been sucked out of me <laughs> you remember we started this podcast saying Root is a is a good game, not a fun game. And all the fun has been sucked out of me as I've gotten better at this game. And then we met <laughs> Garrick and it just got worse. <laughs> Honestly, what's more fun than uh, being good at Root? I don't I don't think there is anything more fun than that. Yeah. Well, if you were on the 2004 Hold Me Higher tour, I think you might be having more fun. <laughs> I'm so close to quitting this podcast. <laughs> okay, to be fair, though, we are doing the higher thing that's called Popular Band. Yes, which, right. of course, okay. we have to right. mention Creed. So Yeah, you're right, you're right. It's been a smooth transition every time you guys have done a Creed bit. All right, here we <laughs> Again, go. It's for those fast forwarders. <laughs> uh, popular Band. Popular Band set up. Place two band warriors, each in a different clearing. When this is acquired, if no band warriors are on the map, place a band warrior in a clearing with your faction pieces. Then, passively, it says enemies cannot move from a clearing with a band warrior on the same turn they moved into it. Presumably, they have to sit and listen to the songs. Uh, Then we have the daylight symbol. First, choose a clearing with a band warrior. You may force any faction warrior in each adjacent clearing to move into the chosen clearing. So you draw them in with your music. Then second, you may place a band warrior in any clearing. <laughs> so you're, this band is going on tour constantly after shows. A bunch of cover bands popping up all over this woodland. Wow. All right. Really just calming the place down, honestly. There's so much good music around that people are like, why are we even fighting? Like, let's just hang out. Well, you're presuming when they get next to each other, Kyle, they won't stab each other, which I'm presuming when they're in the same clearing, it's more opportunity to stab each other. Yeah, I... I suppose. Jake, did you just say you can only move enemy pieces into the clearing with the band warrior? Choose a clearing with a band warrior. You may force any faction warrior in each adjacent clearing to move into the chosen clearing. Yeah, you could use that for your own pieces. Right. Uh, for your own warriors. You could use that to concentrate a force right. uh, preparing for a strike. You could use that to establish rule or to uh, just reinforce if, like, you know, you got a, a number of warriors next door and you want to beef up your presence here's a good one you can just take that corvid guarding a plot and just make that plot unflippable by having him come into a new clearing and listen Ooh, to the band that's a good point yeah 
Oh, man. Bummer for him. They're like, hey, uh, who's watching that bomb? And then it's like, sorry, I, I got caught up in the music. They started playing Hey Jude, and I had to go chime in. <laughs> it, it cost me 80 bucks to park, so I got, I'm just staying for the whole thing. The demoted side is $80 parking. <laughs> this would ruin an alliance player's base and sympathy. Like, this, yeah, this is also this like a... Rough potential price of failure situation and uh fear for fear of the faithful right um i don't know though i guess on the flip side it, it is acting a little bit like a minor false orders in that sense yep. but on the flip side if the alliance can establish some sympathy in a clearing with a band warrior oh my god then if they control <laughs> this faction they can draw mm-hmm. or force opponents to move their warriors in here and trigger outrage which is pretty cool it's like baby's first false orders <laughs> my little false order because it's my one, little false because orders. it's one warrior from each adjacent clan yeah mm-hmm. all right predictions well yeah i think kyle that's not even the end of the woodland alliance implications because you could use it to move your own warriors to get a free move you exactly know? yeah that's huge. to organize to protect a sympathy anything yeah uh, so i i feel like if if the warriors are untouched what can end up happening is the board becomes a very stagnant type of uh, strategic environment where it's really hard to move more than one step at a time, which is obviously going to benefit the turtley factions that score points more like passively. Uh, I feel like that would benefit a faction like the moles pretty strongly. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like the band is pretty easy to vanquish because usually there's not going to be a super dense concentration of those warriors. But forcing actions out of your opponents to just, like, battle some random warriors tends to be pretty decent. It's good to force that. I don't know. I I see this kind of similar to in uh, Twilight Imperium. If you've got a bunch of fighters and you just move them around the map so that it it triggers that thing where when a player has to, like, move into an area that has your own fighter, it has to, like, start a battle or whatever. Right, right. You can use your pieces to kind of... Uh, make it hard for people to like traverse your area of the map. Right, gum up the works. Yeah, definitely. Is it the Nalu that have the like crystal fighters that can yeah, just like the, zoom around? Yeah, the fighters can move independently. Usually, they got to be carried. Right. Yeah. Yes, this is the Nalu crystal fighters of brute. <laughs> yeah, it's the Nalu except for when you set this up in your area to make it hard to traverse all of a sudden then you hand it to somebody else and you're like oh no what have i done <laughs> yeah. i've made it very hard to, for me to traverse out of my own territory because right. i'm just really into this popular band <laughs> yeah what do you do with the setup here do you just put it in the middle i guess and just make it a, a game at the edges do you yeah, just you, like try and block up one part of the board i think you just you know you're just like you hope it gets in the bird's way. You hope it gets in the warlord's way, you know? Yeah. That's what I, when I've, I've played with the popular band and I, I definitely threw when I had control over them. Cause you get to do these things and you get to place a warrior. It's not an or. So I love to throw a band warrior in there. You, you can really throw a wrench in a lot of people's plans by just yeah. moving one warrior. It's pretty crucial. That's that's a this is a crazy powerful one, especially because they proliferate yeah. so often. I mean, this does have implications for like the Eerie dynasties as well, right? Oh yeah. Um, it, it kind of makes me think of like a, a snare a little bit. It's like a baby false orders and a baby snare all at once. Mm-hmm. People would probably, if they don't have a hope of getting it, 
beat these guys up, right? They'd charge charge the stage. <laughs> right. Because they don't they don't want they don't want to be charmed into coming there. Right. Yeah, I would. I mean, unless the concessions are reasonably priced, in which case I might hang out. <laughs> well, unlike the vault keepers, right? There's no incentive to attack them other than like knock it off. Right? Yeah, get out of here. Yeah. I want to move. All right. Popular band. Uh the flip side, the demoted side, is the street band. So uh passively enemies cannot move from a clearing with a band warrior on the same turn they moved into it. And then once per daylight, you may place a band warrior in any clearing. So it's it's the same thing, except for you can't do the whole effect where you gather one warrior in each adjacent clearing into the band's clearing. Yeah, this one is literally the same thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, just their passive ability, right? Also, this is a demoted uh, faction that has pieces on the board. Oh, oh yeah. So that's, so that's an interesting one. Do we know how many pieces are in? We've got five members of the band. Okay, five. Yeah, it's a five classic band boy band. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually decorated my meeples. I'm like, this one's the cute one. <laughs> this one has the frosted tips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one's got a bunch of tattoos. Yeah, this is the um, bad boy. This one does yeah, the, the dramatic This one wears bridge. like a really thick like chain link necklace. Yeah. This one who goes on to have a wildly successful solo career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the reason why the band was popular. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. Street band. Pretty straightforward because yeah, you we already it. covered popular band. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to the highway bandits. Yeah. Are these porcupines? Are they hedgehogs? What are they? I believe they're porcupines. Yeah, porcupines. Set up. Place two bandits, one each on a path without one. Passively, when an enemy moves on a path with a bandit, they must remove one moving piece or damage one item if they're the vagabond. And then additionally, their controller, whenever you move on a path with a bandit, you may place a warrior in the destination clearing. That's pretty cool. Wait, Jake, it sounded like you said place on a path. That's right. These guys exist on the paths. Ooh, I love this. This is great route design space. I feel like there should be a landmark maybe on a path. Um, the paths are really interesting. Yes, Jake? Well, I'm not done. There's more to this guy. If, if oh, I'm so it. sorry. Sorry. No, that's okay. No, I, your excitement is what excites me. In, a, <laughs> in addition, Sam, once per daylight, guess what? You can place a bandit on a path without one, linked to a clearing with your faction pieces. If no bandits are in the supply, you may remove one in order to place it. So additionally, if there's like no bandits left, you could just swap where they are. Yeah. And they can't be battled? You can't battle them. You always right? have to battle in a clearing. Right, because they exist in the in-between. Right. Yeah, I don't think there's any instance where you can remove that those bandwars. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, it's it's really cool how it's taking up new design space. I really dig it. But it's weird that you have to place them uh from a clearing with your faction pieces because these are the things that are about to limit movement for you. Uh once hmm. you get rid of them. However, I've I've played with the Highway Bandits and I think they're fantastic. They're one of my favorite hirelings. I had a very a couple interesting interactions. One is when you control the Highway Bandits, you can just keep moving on paths and gaining warriors. <laughs> yeah, which it's is free recruit. So cool, you know. Yeah. Um, that's really helpful for cats, for molds, for birds, like everybody who's moving. Warlord, uh, that is just so fun. 
Um, however, it really sucks when you don't control one because I was playing <laughs> Badgers, I think, in a game with them. Ooh, and, yeah, that would hurt. And it was like, oh, no, I can't get to that clearing because now I'm not going to rule it because I'm going to lose a warrior along the way, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Badger warriors are so important to their economy. But here's an interesting interaction I found. I wanted to move a relic from a, from a clearing. I had one badger and a relic, and I had to move it along a path with a bandit warrior. <laughs> I'm like, what happens to the relic? So at the destination clearing, a, a tablet just kind of clatters in from the road. <laughs> a blood-stained <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> relic. And just silence in the forest otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is actually how it was supposed to be played. Essentially, right? the, the badger in its dying breath can chuck Throw the it. relic <laughs> to the clearing it was going to. To the lizard who catches it and then destroys it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. But that was uh, that was really interesting. I ended up uh, finding a way to get around it so I didn't have to suffer that. Yeah, die and chuck the relic. But that's um, a That's a really limiting thing for them. For badgers, because yeah. they really need to get around, and they they have precious warriors at the outset. Yeah. Yeah, bandits are brutal. Yeah, this, I think, it, it makes a game very interesting. I like when Root gets a little constrictive, uh, where it forces everyone to interact, or it cuts off points, where it's like, oh, are you going to get around that? Are you going to brute strength through? And uh, Highway Bandits really makes the map really interesting. Yeah, people are people got to toughen up to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, terrible for Woodland Alliance. Absolutely brutal. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Game they just ending. can't handle bandits. Well, conversely, if they get a hold of bandits. Really that's strong. Really nice organizing, <laughs> right? That's yeah. amazing organizing. Yeah, you can't give these guys the Woodland Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh, also of note, uh, the we, we found this. I was playing with the Warlord, and the Warlord cannot be removed or moved outside of your outside of battle so the warlord can so be a solo warrior and go through the path with the highway bandits a bandit would never try to rob the warlord totally all of his goods are strapped to his belt they're not going anywhere (laughs) yeah all right any other uh things we can think about for highway bandits i'm with you guys i think this kind of functions in a similar way to kind of slow down certain areas of the map you know you really only want to go through bandits if you actually are committed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it might slow down certain choke points. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how people use this offensively when they know they're going to lose it later. Because that might dissuade you from putting it in a choke point necessarily if you're going to be moving through that later on because they can't really be removed that's what's crazy i guess about this mm-hmm. guys it's like you can't like unlike the band where you could go punch them and they'll stop playing these <laughs> bandits are gonna be here for the rest of the game they might get moved where they're at but they're they're, they're everywhere at some point yeah mm-hmm. so yeah it feels like a scary hireling to have yeah yeah uh, let's talk about the demoted side, the bandit gangs. When you acquire them, if no bandit warriors are on the map, place one in the clearing with your faction pieces. Then passively, bandit warriors cannot be battled in clearings with their controller's faction pieces. Yeah, they're safe around their controller's faction. They, they, they get a free pass. They hide out in the basement of everybody's buildings, right? <laughs> um, in daylight, once in daylight, you may place a faction warrior of the controller at each bandit warrior or 
place a bandit warrior in a clearing with a faction piece of the controller. So this is kind of barely a demoted side. This is like an alternate promoted side, really, right? Yeah, another uh, demoted side that uses the pieces, right? Well, not only that, but it like it puts them in the clearing so they can they can't even really be battled, right? This is I, I don't know, like this just doesn't have the negative penalty for other people, but it lets the warrior generation still happen. It says it can't be battled in the controller's clearing. It can't be battled in clearings with their controller's faction pieces. So wow. they don't even have to rule it. Wow. Yeah. If they just have one protector, like it's just one mole there, it's fine. Right. Now they can place again in daylight, they can place a warrior of the controller at each bandit yep. warrior. Wow. So if there's four bandit warriors, you can place four warriors? Yeah. That's kind of bigger than highway bandits. Yeah, that's that's big. I I it's you essentially if you want to get rid of the bandit gangs, you have to take out the faction who controls them first and then you can punch them. It's that's really interesting. This seems barely demoted to me. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know what its implications are. It it doesn't like wow me, but it's also I I could see it being very powerful. I'm wondering what happens when it changes hands. It's hard for me to picture what the implications of that is going to be. This is huge. Like again, I guess the alliance would really benefit from yeah. just generating warriors everywhere. Same with I guess Corvids can can right. double recruit everywhere and get spread around. Everybody kind of likes these guys. Yeah. Not the Vagabond. <laughs> no. The vag well, the Vagabond's interaction with all of this is wonky. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, he's one guy. Did he can hire people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was the guy we hired. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He was the original hireling. That's a very <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, this one kind of boggles me. I really want... This is the one I'm eager to see and play, because I feel like the warrior generation potential for this is so crazy high. It could be, yeah. But you have to choose whether you're placing a bandit warrior or doing the recruit. Yeah, but the recruit is for each bandit warrior already on the map. I'm saying in the late game, if there's right, four of them out there. Right, it starts with two, right? Yeah. It starts with two on the map. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'd probably always just take the warriors because adding the bandit, uh, adding another bandit gang warrior is just going to make it so something else, somebody else gets a benefit. To be clear, no, I don't think it does start with two. Sorry, I misspoke. Oh, okay. The The highway bandits, the promoted side, starts with two. Yeah. I think that the demoted side begins with none, and then when you acquire oh. it, if there are none on the map, you place one in the clearing, so it starts there. Oh, it doesn't have any setup instructions? No. Mm -mm. Okay. Oh, and I think that's true for all demoted sides. They don't have setup. They don't exist on the map yet. But once they are controlled, then they do. Oh, okay. Right. Right? Okay. Well, that's that's good then. Yeah, well then, so the first controller will get one, is that what you said? Or two? The first controller just places one. One. Okay. All right. So it's it's gonna it's gonna take time to get going. Right. And the first yeah. person's gonna have them for one or two turns. Yes. So they true. are not going to place another. Band Which is board. balanced. It sh it would be crazy otherwise. Right. Right. Um. But I just feel like I don't know the potential for this could ramp. Yeah. We'll see. For sure. All right. Let's move on to the Corvid conspiracy hireling. Let's start with the promoted side of Corvid spies. The Corvid spies are those little crows with the goggles, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> The most mischievous of the meeples. All right, so set up, place two spy warriors, one in each, one each in two clearings of matching suit. 
So they need to be the same suit, notably. And then in daylight, once per daylight, first, place two spy warriors among any clearings with enemy pieces. Then second, battle in each clearing with any spy warriors or in one clearing with any spy warriors, the controller takes a random card from each enemy with faction pieces there. Why? This is nuts. Oh. So I think this is so good. I don't know why you'd ever battle. Just steal cards from your opponents. Yeah, 100%. I want to put these guys in a clearing with all of my opponents and just get three free cards. When does this happen? In daylight? In daylight, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's really good. It should be the first thing you do in daylight. Yep. Right? Especially in a game where landmarks are going to be there and people are going to be congregating or multiple factions might be congregating in one clearing, just flying these guys in and their ability to just kind of pop up anywhere. Because, again, first in daylight, you place two spy warriors among any clearings with enemy pieces. Wow. Yeah, that's just a free. Oh, wait. Or steal. No, 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 no. First, you do that. Then second, you battle in each clearing with spy warriors or in one clearing with any spy warriors where the controller takes a random card from each enemy. With yeah, action pieces don't there. battle. Now, well, of course, don't battle. But also the first part of that where you place two is probably a bit of a detriment because you're going to lose control of them and they're going to be everywhere when you lose control of them. Well, they're going to be where your enemies are. You don't need to be there. Sure. They're going to be with your enemies. And yeah, maybe you're giving your enemy a good battle, but even better than the then the crows will get off the board and may not, you know, I don't know. This is a really interesting hireling. I did not realize that you could just place them anywhere and steal cards where it's most advantageous. <laughs> that is wild. There's no setup required for these Even guys. if you don't need the cards, take them from your opponents. Like, yeah, this is exactly. so great. Oh, oh this yeah. is really strong. Mm-hmm. Really strong. I predict that these will be fought over. Like, definitely. If I get four points first, this is a first pick for me pretty easily. Yeah. I will say I played with the demoted side of the Corvids, and it's also really good. Well, let's just get into it then, uh, because we can talk about them at the same time. It's the Raven Sentries. Passively, if you control them in battle, you deal an extra hit if the battle clearing has buildings or tokens of your faction. Therefore, every piece of cardboard is an embedded agent for you, right? Right. Yep. And on offense of note, because embedded agents only happens on defense. Ooh, and this is both because this is in battle. Right. Oh, nice. I I mean, I talked about it when we did our War Alert episode. I had the demoted version of this, Partisans, and Wrathful Mood, and I was dealing three extra hits, which was sweet. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's... uh, And if you think about it with the Keepers, they can bring relics into clearings, and then this will trigger... So they're ignoring the first hit and dealing an extra hit. Jeez. It's the demoted side of this is also not something to mess with. Yeah, this is this is fairly strong as well. I mean, I, I just I feel like it, it really toughens your ability to keep your presence on the map on the demoted side. And on the promoted side, it just lets you sap you, the strength of your opponents mm-hmm. by absorbing their hand <laughs> like yeah. it's incredible yeah yeah it's amazing all, i would say that this is the best front and back card we've read so far really oh man bandits is i guess bandits just feels so crazy powerful like uh, whoever has them you're scared <laughs> yeah yeah bandits is more interesting i think like what it does to the game sure but this is just like oh i want that power Ooh, i <laughs> yeah. want that power you know yeah, yeah this is the greedy one yeah yeah uh great love it love those spies all right let's keep going 
Yeah. Warm Sun Prophets. This is the Lizard's promoted hireling. And their difference is they wear ordained robes. Is that right? Ornate robes? I don't know. They're kind of rounder and they have tongues. Oh, okay. Yeah. Their tongues are like the bookmark. Um, Mm -hmm. Set up. Place a prophet warrior in each clearing with a ruin. So notably, there'll be four at set up. When you acquire them, excuse me, when you control them, if no prophet warriors are on the map, place a prophet warrior in any clearing. Then, once in daylight, you may... Choose any player, even yourself, with faction pieces in a clearing with a prophet warrior. Force them to battle there or force them to move as many pieces as they can from there to a clearing you choose and battle in a destination if you want. You choose the defender. Essentially, you're forcing a crusade slash convert, right? Or place a prophet warrior in a clearing without one. I played with this and it seems like this is so powerful. Because it's like you can false orders an army in another place to go fight. I it didn't come off in the game I played. I I felt like I was trying for it to matter so much, and it and it just wasn't. Um, but I I think that could have been just the game I played. I feel like it had to have been. Yeah, um, because move as many pieces as you can. Right. That's 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 beyond false orders. That's that's everything. Right. It's good. I mean, it's good about mashing pieces. I think like it was just I just couldn't find the opportunity. And I like sure. like all these things, like the power is going to be situational. Some maps and situations are going to be set up for these hirelings to really change the game. And in other times, they're just going to be something that gets passed around. Um, but I like the idea of this one a lot. And it seems like the the potential is definitely there. This to me is like the way that I played Lizards the first time that I ever played them. Where I just would like pop up in a random clearing, like recruit a guy there. Mm-hmm. Except with this, if you put your Warm Sun Prophet in a random clearing, it's like it actually has a ton of crazy power there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you want to be careful. I think, I think we will find some pretty insane situations where they came up and just moved people away. Because mm-hmm. they led them astray, as the Warm Sun Prophets would do. Let's look at the uh, uh, other side, which is the Lizard Envoys. So at the start of Birdsong, if you control them, you may search the top five cards in the discard pile and take a card of the most common suit, except an ambush. You cannot count birds as other suits, and you decide on suit ties. Oh, so it's a little bit of a uh, dumpster diver. Yeah, again, the Lizard's going dumpster diving. Um, I, it, this one doesn't feel very good. This one feels a no? little restrictive. You look at the top five cards of the discard pile. You have to choose one of the most common suits, but you can't use birds for that. I assume if bird was the most common suit, you could take a bird Ooh, card, that right? might be true. Yes. As I long bet. as it's not an ambush. I don't know. I think it'd be pretty good. It's essentially draw a card and kind of get a slight pick of which card you get right at the start of bird song right yeah and that's yeah that's early on in the day that's kind of nice i feel like you're gonna have like a choice between two cards or at best a choice between three cards sure sure i mean it's obviously very very situational and the, the fact that you can't get an ambush is a little sad but i get it i don't know i feel like you should be able to get an ambush i mean like yeah i'd be like don't get coins you know what i mean <laughs> like don't get coffin makers that's what would help balance this not out. not again but like it's at the start of birdsong at the start of birdsong dang so the crows can't craft something and then grab it um but 
yeah, like you you could take advantage. Someone just crafted uh, a coins. You could take the coins, assuming that rabbit was the most common suit. Or actually, the coins come in all three suits, so it would have to depend on the other suits. It's it's too situational to like figure yeah. out if it's constantly beneficial. You mean? Yeah, I think that this one is going to be hard to read when you're like, um, who should I give this to? Well, who's going to discard things? Like, I don't know. I don't think you have to worry about it too much this one doesn't feel like you're going to give it to the wrong person and that's going to cost you the game there's just too much randomness that's that comes into making this ability powerful for me agreed let's let's get moly let's talk about the sunward expedition yeah uh yeah the sunward expedition at setup you place a foothold token and three expedition warriors in any clearing uh and then once in Daylight. First, place a foothold token and up to three expedition warriors in a clearing with no foothold. If no footholds are in the supply, remove one from the map in order to place it. So these guys will be constantly shifting and moving. Second, you may move and then you may battle or place a warrior at each foothold. Foothold tokens are kind of like their tunnels, essentially. It's right. what the moles are going to be popping up from and... Yeah, this is like a, a common thing we're going to see with the promoted side of these hirelings who's like, oh, you can do this, you can move in battle, or you can recruit more guys there. Yeah, I'm getting shades of Vault Keepers yeah. from the Sunward Expedition. Yeah, it feels very similar to Vault Keepers. A little better because it comes with three warriors, which is at least enough to do a good good old battle. Very um, true. How many of them um, are in the game, Kyle? Total of eight, it looks like. Yeah, total of eight. Weird. Eight. What a weird number when there's three that you place. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. This one seems fine. These, like the vault keepers, are the the punchers of the group, the mercenary hirelings, right? Just go Mm -hmm. out and go do it. Except for they can move. Right. Yeah, this one just seems like vault keepers, but better, right? Uh, Kind of, I guess. Like, yeah, the vault keepers' difference is their placement ability, right? Is that they have to go adjacent. They only go one warrior at a time. Yeah. These guys don't have the adjacency rules. They get to recruit more warriors and they can move in battle. Well, okay, but to be clear, what the what the vault keepers do is they battle in each clearing with a vault. Oh, there it is. So it's multiple battles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, well, whatever. But they're disposable. Right. I think that the idea with the vault keepers is you can like kind of tax people in those clearings with those battles. Yes. But the Sunward Expedition seems like you could do more, like, targeted strikes. Yeah, this is a strike force for sure. Yeah. And even if you can't get into the actual clearing, you can get adjacent to that clearing and then move on over, potentially. Right. Uh, in order to battle. Because you place a token in three, up to three warriors. Uh, the supply is, total is eight, which means you're, you're going to be likely to place all three of those warriors almost every time that you have the chance to operate this faction. Right. I think it's a little tricky because you're placing cardboard on the board for people to take. You know, that's mm-hmm. just something to keep in mind. Uh, vault keepers have that same issue. And now I'm also thinking of another uh, restriction of vault keepers is they have to go in building slots. You know, that's pretty brutal. Um, but regardless, that is the Worm Sun Prophets, the Little Mole Strike Force. But oh, what about. Actually, I don't want to skip over what you just said. The vaults themselves are buildings, right? Right. So they have to take a building slot. Right. Yeah. So if they can't take a building slot, what happens? Then they don't get to get placed. 
Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Now they're All very right. restrictive. Yeah, so the Sunward Expedition is not because they can just dig where they want. Yep. Let's dig on up. What about mole artisans? Mole artisans. Uh, as the controller, whenever you craft a card with an item, you may reveal it instead of discarding it. At the end of evening, return the cards you revealed this way into your hand. You may end your turn with six or more cards. There it is. Wait. I love breaking the hand limit. That's like one of my things I always was curious about with Root. I'm like, how do you do it? Yeah. At the end of evening, return the cards revealed in this way to your hand. So it's after the discard step. Discard down to five step. Yes. Got it. Wow. Fantastic. And you can only have six in your hand? No, you may ha- you may end your turn with six or more cards. Wow. Well, wow. It's if you like crafted two two cards with an right. item, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That This is insanely good. Who is this the best for? I mean, obviously it would be moles. Thank God they can't get this. Yeah, I mean moles and anybody who values cards. I mean, yeah. it's it's just kind of good for everybody, honestly. Yeah, if like, lizards are able to craft something. That'd be good for them. Yeah, uh, I think warlord would warlord be warlord would with love this. it because yeah. they're so card poor, and then they get to use it for a a uh, insight or a build. Right, and I mean, I think like the point of this card is that you could craft it again on your very next turn, right? Yeah, yeah. This is really powerful. This is better than the than the promoted side. I like the ones that are wildly different than their promoter side, kind of like yeah. how Lizard is different. This could be a real boon for a lot of people. I'm I'm eager, eager to see how this one's fought over. Yeah. Also, like the best crafters, like oh, you know who this is fun for is the otters. <laughs> totally, yeah. Because then they can craft a card and then sell that card where someone else can craft the other item in the yeah. supply. That's yeah. fun. The the most use out of a single card, right? And have like more cards to sell. That'd be you insane know? to have seven a cards to shot. sell. That'd be so yeah. fun. Yeah. Cool. Love that. Moving on. Last Dynasty. That's right, the Last Dynasty. These guys just got a brutal spiked club. (laughs) Set up, place all five Dynasty Warriors in a clearing on the map edge. So they start out as just one big posse. Then, once in daylight, if no Dynasty Warriors are on the map, place all five Dynasty Warriors in any edge clearing and battle there. (laughs) So if they're gone, if they've been eliminated, when they return to the map, they instantly pick a fight. (laughs) <laughs> okay so i should i should preface this so in daylight you can do that or if they rule their clearing move all their warriors and then battle with them if able or if they do not rule their clearing battle there twice yeah so these are this is just a mean group of birds that are constantly fighting people yeah yeah i consider this just like a like a cannonball right they just roam around the map just bashing face that's it do we rule here okay good let's move on and rule somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) this is really fun this is a real like i I, this is when you're playing root and somebody has an army coming up one side then all of a sudden there's this last (laughs) dynasty that's like the left hook you know that just comes at your back line it is so scary they're traveling down the path and suddenly there's just a bird in the middle of the road just patting his club in his hand just (laughs) shaking his head saying you go no further (laughs) oh i love this yeah battling twice with five warriors on the map's edge that's wild this feels like it has a a pretty big impact on the board state some of the other ones have a little more of like subtle effects or like more like time-based effects this one is in 
your face, coming after your cardboard, coming after your meeples, storming around on the board. I, I think this one has a, a a pretty big impact. It makes a splash when it enters. Constantly. Every time it enters. <laughs> they fight until they die, then they come back and fight again. <laughs> Bananas. Again, with these hirelings, is they don't really ever go away. They'll just keep resurfacing, which is... Not something we've seen a lot in Root. There's generally people can kind of come back in a lot of ways, but these guys always will. Yeah. You want to hold them to like one, but then they're not going to rule their clearing battle twice and kind of suicide away. They're gonna, so yeah, they're they going to start come back even stronger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're going to start a fight, get knocked unconscious, then come back and fight. Yeah, it's kind of just like a rhythm of this destructive bird force that, that enters the game. It's, it's cool. They're it's better cool. than the real dynasty. Yeah, I mean, it feels similar. It feels like there's a really crappy birds player also taking a turn. You know oh, what I no, mean? Oh no, our politics says we can't sustain it. These guys are just like, we'll fight until we die, then we'll fight again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like somebody who's like, "What do you mean building?" And they're like, "I'm just gonna move and battle." And you're like, "Are you sure? Because that doesn't really help you win." And they're like, "That's cool. That's what I'm gonna do." And it's like, "Well, because you just lost all your warriors." And they're like, "Well, I'm just gonna pop up somewhere else. I'm gonna do the same thing." Uh, what do you mean by humiliation? <laughs> I am not ashamed at what I do. Just murder. <laughs> All right, let's talk about somebody who's a little bit more noble, though. That's right. It's the Bluebird Nobles. The Ooh, the Bluebird Nobles. Push those spectacles further up your nose, Sam, because we've got a demoted faction you're going to love. If you control them, you rule clearings when tied for presence. Essentially, you have Lords of the Forest. Mm-hmm. Additionally, at uh, the beginning of Birdsong... If you are the controller, you score one point for every three clearings you rule. Hey, I've I've played with this one. This one is great. First of all, Lords of the Forest is a great ability for a non-bird faction to have, too. It is just a fun ability. But also, I saw this get into the hands of the moles, and the moles rule a clearing called the burrow. So that's just an extra Uh, clearing that they get. They're a third of the way to an extra point. Uh, that cannot be contested. And if you want That's my so <laughs> hot take on a moles nerf, I used to just say let people go into the burrow. <laughs> I do think that's a fun idea. Yeah. Um, the, the thing I like about this is that these two abilities work together, right? Lords of the Forest helps you rule clearings, and ruling clearings helps you score points. So it's a nice little like interaction here mechanically for this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I feel like this is a, a, a nice ability. It doesn't break the game too much. It could give you a, those extra guac points you need. You know who else loves this is the Lord of the Hundreds. Totally. They're all about ruling clearings, and look look what you just get a little extra oppress here. And just for ruling, not even necessarily for oppressing. Yeah, double duty there. Uh, Bluebird Nobles, I think, is a, a super solid demoted faction. Overall, I would say the Eerie Hireling is one of my top favorite yeah. ones. Yeah, that last dynasty is scary. Yeah, this goes up with crows for me for like the best like total card. Yeah, I'm still very impressed by those bandits. That seems bananas. <laughs> bandits. Are- <laughs> we gotta get a game with the bandits for sure. Let's move right. on to the cat town forest patrol setup. Place a patrol warrior in each clearing. Holy mm-hmm. cow! Whenever any patrol warriors are removed, place one of them on this card, not in the supply. Then, once in daylight, you may move, then you may battle, or place all patrol warriors from here into a clearing with any patrol warriors. 
Whoa. These guys are crazy. Yeah, so you talk about things not getting removed. These cats, it 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 takes a special circumstance to actually get them to go to the supply. Um, you have to remove more than one cat at a time for them to go to the supply. Oh, and, interesting. But they start out so spread out that that's unlikely to happen until way later in the game. It's It's really smooth. But I like this hireling a lot. This one feels like what the hirelings promised us, which is to clog up the board and to to make it feel like a fuller game at lower player counts. I think they do a great job. Yeah, and the ability is pretty straightforward as well, like it, not not too fiddly, yeah. um, which I love. The nice thing about this is it's a move in a battle, mm-hmm. which means that these kind of disparate cats, over the course of the game, become more concentrated, become more powerful. And I think by the end of the game, you could have a reasonably beefy force that you're working with. So I think there's got to be a strategy where on your last turn with this hireling, you just got to place all patrol warriors into a clearing with another patrol warrior that's like far away from you. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, they're all over there. Like, Go deal <laughs> go with, deal them, with them there. Yeah, it's, this is all very straightforward. It's just they, they are, are roaming battlers. I'm very interested in the fact that they can actually be depleted, though, if they get removed in battle multiple times, right? Because you only place one. Right. That's interesting. Also, I think like it sounds great. You can move and battle from anywhere, but with just one warrior, it's going to be actually hard to move because you're not going to rule a lot of clearings. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I noticed that, that it's like, oh, I want to do that. Now you do get to use your warriors when it comes to rule for the hirelings. So basically you can kind of activate the cats in your ruled clearings a lot easier. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like you can move, you know, just single cats around your enemy's back line unless uh, they're completely warriorless back there. So when rule is calculated, it's by faction, right? So if the cats rule, you don't, even if you are their controller? If you are their controller, then those warriors count as your warriors for purposes of rule only. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Um, and if they rule on their own without your warriors, then they're allowed then to move. Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the flip side of this is the feline physicians. If you're their controller, whenever any of your faction warriors are removed, you may spend a card matching their clearing to place those warriors in a clearing with your faction pieces instead of your supply. Just like field hospitals, but instead of it going to the keep, it's just any of your pieces. Ooh, that's wow. good. Yeah, that's crazy good. You can put them yeah. right back into the clearing of the battle. <laughs> Assuming you didn't lose them all. Well, that's the thing is pieces isn't tokens and buildings. It's just all of it, right? It's including warriors. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is nice, too, because you can just teleport your forces to wherever they need to go. Yeah. Which is super nice. Um, even spending a card to keep one warrior on the board can be so helpful at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Woodland Alliance loves that. I'm just going to teleport this guy into some sympathy up there to protect it or a place where I can move from and organize, you know. And it's just when they're removed, not even removed in battle. So after an organize, you could spend a card and just pop it up wherever. What? (laughs) Well, in a clearing with one of your pieces. So I guess theoretically that would be a sympathy. But yeah, anytime it's removed. And same for uh, the Corvids as well. Right, when you plot. Oh, So they can instantly guard a plot that they were removed. That's great. uh, To place it, yeah. That's so good. Yeah, I think Feline Physicians is, like, kind of amazing. Yeah. This is another strong front and back for me. 
Yeah. Another one where I think the back might be more like yeah. potentially interesting than the front. I love Agreed, that. Definitely. All right. Let's get on to one of uh, the factions that is not represented as one of the main factions, and that is the Furious Protector. Oh, he's so mad. He's <laughs> He looks pretty stoic, though, so you'd think he'd have it under control, but no. No, he's angry. You can <laughs> so see it mad. in his yellow eyes. Yeah. Set up, place the protector pawn in any clearing. The protector cannot be battled or removed. Enemies cannot place pieces in its clearing. Notably, oh, yeah. place. Didn't say move. Right. Uh, then, at the start of birdsong, first, you must move the protector, ignoring rule. Then, second, you must remove one faction warrior of each player, even yourself, in the protector's clearing, but not hirelings. This guy's a buzzkill. <laughs> Does he just so come peaceful. in and behead four people and then just move on? What is he doing? Yeah. He he deconflicts. He um Yeah. He's a peacekeeper. Is he? He seems to be killing a lot of warriors every turn. <laughs> he's making the woodland peaceful <laughs> through fury. Really? Yeah, because he, he doesn't allow sympathy in his clearings. <laughs> true, yeah. No, he just wants everyone to just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does feel like the angry dad in our root world. Yeah. If this was a rule in the lexicon, it would just be, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, I want to recruit a warrior. There's like, no. Yeah, no recruiting. Not now. In fact, everybody lose a warrior right now. This is just dad <laughs> on the map is what this is. <laughs> dad on the map. So All is, of you go to your so rooms. <laughs> All of you go to your supplies. There's too many of you. This is a school night. You're wearing your shoes in the house. Get out of here. <laughs> Who's touched the thermostat? <laughs> uh, Stoic Protector is the flip side of this. He's more meditative and not carrying a sword in the art. When you acquire him, if the Protector Pawn is not on the map, place it in a clearing with your faction pieces. Then passively, the Protector cannot be battled or removed. And the controller, for the controller, enemies cannot battle or remove your faction pieces at the Protector. Additionally, once in birds at the top of bird song, you must move the protector, ignoring rule. This one's better. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, this one feels like, oh, he's on my team. This is an actual yeah. protector. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he protects is, me. The furious protector knocked me in the face with his elbow. This I, guy I, looks out for me. I agree with Kyle. I think the furious protector is protecting the woodland. Mm. And that's like something that as a warring faction in this game, I'm like, I don't care. I don't care about the woodland, you know? Um, but when he's uh, a stoic protector, he's actually protecting me. So I like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I like the stoic protector a lot. That's that's really nice. A nice little bodyguard. Similar to, I guess, kind of how the, the demoted keepers were. The badger uh, bodyguards. Mm -hmm. I, th I think the the one thing to keep in mind with this faction, uh, this hireling faction, is that it constantly moves mm -hmm. once yeah. every turn. So you ha you have this like excellent shield, but it can never stay put. Yeah. Uh, so I guess depending on how long you have it, you can kind of triangulate around your clearings and just you know keep it nearby. I mean, you only really need two, right? You don't even need to triangulate yeah. back forth. Just shuttle, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but but this one's nice if you're going to turtle up in like a mid game situation. I feel like this wouldn't be my go to like early in the game necessarily, right. unless I was feeling fragile for some reason. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, mid and late game, I can see this being pretty strong. I feel like this is an easy one to hand off because depending who you hand it off, you should just hand it off to somebody who's nowhere near the protector. Right. Right. And so then like, okay, you have the benefits of the protector, but he's going to take five turns to get to you. Right. Right. So this one, unlike the rest of them where we're all terrified of when they switch hands, it feels like this one's kind of okay, depending on how entangled you are. Yeah. Yeah. This one feels more situational. I'm not like immediately stoked by either side of this. I think it's a cool idea for a hireling. Um, and I'm interested to play some more games with it. But uh, yeah, I don't think that this has like huge implications for any one faction. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm I, not trying to downplay it. I think the fact that you can't be battled or your pieces cannot be removed from a clearing is pretty huge. That's powerful, right? Yeah, it, it's just like you also have to have the protector in that clearing. You have to have the protector. You know who I could see this being pretty good for? Is a faction that can keep their presence like really compact. Somebody like the Vagabond. Mm-hmm. Mm. If you can just end your turn in this clearing, yeah. you can just spend your whole daylight just doing quests, aiding cards, doing whatever you want to do, and then just go back to the Protector and just like chill. That's a Whoa. good idea. You're right. Vagabond. <laughs> it sucks. Like, I hate that little raccoon. And then he just like gets behind the giant legs of the Protector. <laughs> and like, uh, okay, I guess I can't mess yeah, with you. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. That'd be very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I think this, I think this guy will be used to great success, actually. We'll see. All right. Moving on. It's the Flame Bearers. Ooh. He's... Flame Bearers? <laughs> I wish. Bearers. Bearers. <laughs> That's right. It's a rat with two torches in their hands. At setup, place two bearer warriors among any clearings, even the same clearing. Uh, then when you acquire them, if no barrier warrior... If no bearer warriors are on the map, place two bearer warriors among any clearings. Then at the beginning of Birdsong, first in each clearing with any bearer warriors, you must remove one enemy piece per bearer warrior there. Warriors first. Then second, you must place one bearer warrior at a barrier warrior or adjacent to one. If you cannot, place two bearer warriors in any clearings. <laughs> what? You guys didn't understand what I just said? <laughs> I feel All like right. they used a certain term like a couple too many times. <laughs> Which <What>? term? Place? <laughs> just the fact that they put the word or after bearer warrior or. <laughs> I mean, just read it out loud, you know? Like, why can't they be like, I don't know. the Torch the, dudes. Yeah, the f- the fire starters. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's go through Bear- that a little more starter carefully. starter warriors. Okay. At the start of Birdsong, in each yeah. clearing with, the war- with a bearer. Just say a warrior. <laughs> okay, with that warrior. You must remove one enemy piece per warrior there. Whoa. Warriors first, okay? So you can't just okay. remove tokens. Then second, you must place one of the warriors at a place where you have one of the warriors or adjacent to one. If you can't, okay. then you place two in any clearing. Okay. Yeah, this is good. This is kind of like a, like a mini mob where it only takes out one of each. Um, yeah, it reminds it kind me of like of... deals an auto hit in a clearing with a warrior. Yeah, which is like, and, and it does that for all the clearings mm-hmm. that have any warriors, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, that could be really big. Uh, you you definitely I could see battling these guys proactively, being like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, but they're warriors; they're not mob tokens, so you know, right? It, it does hit. absorb. 
some attention from your enemies. This is one of the ones that makes me question how many, how often people are going to use their battles against the hirelings. Because I feel like you kind of have to. Otherwise, when it's their turn, they're just going to roast you alive. So mm -hmm. you might as well get them out of the way. Right. It's like it. take a hit on my turn or take free hits on their turn, mm -hmm, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. This is this is super destructive and scary to have in the game. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's Plus, super powerful. It's going to really distract everyone when you're like, do you want to remove my bearer warriors? <laughs> I mean, additionally, it all happens outside of battles and so many people's effects affect battle. And this doesn't. It's right. just straight up shot in the I mean, just lit on fire. Right. So not not good for a lot of factions. This is a dangerous one to have on the map, kind of like the last dynasty, honestly. And it can just easily soften up, you know, a, an opponent that you're going to be targeting anyway on that turn. And there's not really much they can do about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I see this as a pretty strong one if you can keep the warriors alive. What's also cool about these hirelings is, like, if there aren't any on the map, you can just place them somewhere. And then at the start of your bird song, you get to activate them. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's pretty That's pretty nuts. Just, like, spring a trap. So this deals one hit per bearer warrior there. Yeah. Whoa. Per. Against so you each can have faction? No, no, against one. Okay, you uh, not or, even or just one enemy piece at a time. Correct. So it could you could spread it among different factions right. if you wanted to. Oh, okay, got it. But if you got three warriors there, you could just deal three hits. Whoa. Not even it's not even hits that they can negate. Like like with the protectors, which would negate that hit. It's not three hits. It's remove. You're the just piece. removing yeah. pieces. Yeah. yeah. So it's worse than that. That's what I was trying to say about the battle. Is like this has more implications in terms of like negating people's abilities. Yeah, we're just skipping to the. <laughs> I mean, we're, the we're just burning meeples alive over <laughs> yeah. here. This is horrible. Yeah, the ash distribution, I is guess. Is that the first thing that happens in Birdsong? Yes. Yeah. At the start those, of Birdsong. Those things are going to the coffin, then. Sure. Dang. Oh, yeah. That could be an interesting combination there. Yeah. yeah. Don't give Whoa. the flame bearers to the person with coffin maker. These feel like maybe oh, the most God. terrifying now. I think they took over the bandits. Yeah, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of incentive to fight these guys. Yeah. I agree. Uh, the flip side is... Because you either fight them or you lose your pieces. Yeah, and, right, you know, right. In a non-fun way, <laughs> where you don't even get a chance <laughs> to fight back. Uh, the demoted side of this are the rat smugglers. The controller, any number of times in daylight, may discard a card with an item in order to move or battle. You do not need to be able to craft it. This is really interesting. It's very specific. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see the thematic ties with the warlord using the items and not having a lot of cards in their hand and having a lot of move and battle actions. It's a very interesting way to get that flavor there. Uh, I could, yeah. I almost, I'm like, oh, this is so good for lizards, except for the discarding of the cards. Though, if you're trying to throw your outcast suit in a certain way and just need a quick battle, uh, this could be really solid. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be pretty situational, I think. This one sucks. I think it's it's you discard a card, which is kind of huge, to just yeah. do one move or battle. Yeah. As as anybody, yeah. your action economy is more efficient than that. Right. I mean, as a desperation <laughs> option, it's I guess nice to have in your pocket, but I kind of think of this one as like um, adjacent to League of Adventurous Mice. Right. The key here is you don't have to be able to craft the item. Right. Which means that at the end of the game, when the items are already crafted, and you just have these like useless cards in your mm. hand, you can discard those in order to move or battle, and that's the time at which you need that to yeah, like that's a good pump point. that 
action economy. And it is any number of times in daylight. So I actually think this could be a great card for the otters, for example. Um, They could just commit to draw, and then they could spend those item cards for moves and battles. That's a really good combo, is the otters. I love that suggestion. Okay. Mine changed. Well done, Mm -hmm. Kyle. Yep, there's some situations in there. Okay. Uh, eager to see more situations. Uh, and if you want to submit your situations, come on, join the Discord. We have a channel there. We also have threads for building games and a thread for Creed fans if you want to sign up for the Creed friends list. <laughs> it's the Riverfolk Flotilla. When you set them up, you place the flotilla, you place the flotilla pawn, a single one, in a clearing with them on the map edge and a river. Passively, the flotilla cannot be battled or removed, and in battle, the flotilla can roll up to three hits. It's the greatest meeple in the game. Okay. Uh, Once at the start of Birdsong, first, each player with faction pieces at the flotilla may draw a card. Mm -hmm. Second, you must move the flotilla along the river, ignoring rule. Then the flotilla may battle. Whoa. Yep. What? You're... You give out a lot of free cards. This I've is played crazy. with this, and you don't. You have to move them, and then anyone who's there gets to draw a card, or anyone who is there on the previous turn, or whatever it is. You're going to be giving away cards, but you get th- to roll the dice, and nothing bad can happen to you, and you can roll <laughs> up to three hits. It's so fun. This is like if all the deckhands from the Riverfolk Company got control of the company, and they killed the <laughs> managers, and they're like, "We're giving out." thing here and then they just start fighting <laughs> yeah it's a full mutiny here. what the hell yeah this one's great okay uh and again i can't express the meeple is the best in the game well the fact that everybody's <laughs> drawing cards just feels like a, a traveling treasure chest yeah but then they also must move in battle you may battle but yeah you won't. oh that's it, true as, as long as you get to you somebody you must else. move then you may battle okay right. good point it's really it's really interesting the way it it works because it's going to be changing hands people are going to be moving this around you want to be there but you don't want to be there because you might be the target of the attack it's really fun i yeah i love the potential for these guys to be constantly roaming around giving away things and then beating people (laughs) yeah the flip side of this is i think my favorite art yet of the hirelings Mm -hmm. it's otter divers the controller gets the ability you ignore rule when moving to or from a clearing on the river and then the picture is a corvid uh a crow drowning in the river and an otter coming to save him (laughs) yeah which is weird because this actually doesn't let you move along the river right sure it just but it's assuming that you can sneak in through the river because of rule you just you can't use the river as paths but yeah yeah, yeah you can yeah. you can get to and from the river no problem yeah you know a guy at the river yeah and he'll help you out yeah he, well, because the road is blocked with a superior force right because they rule who does your enemy that's why because you do you you ignore right, rule right, and right, moving right, to or from right. the clearing right yeah definitely we're working really hard to explain this faction, this ability that's not really that used. Well, you just... I, I, I think this is actually, like, pretty equivalent in terms of its usefulness, if I'm going to be real. Because think about it this way. On Autumn Map, if you're, like, the Woodland Alliance and you just have one meeple, you can move from a river clearing to Texas mm-hmm. to a different river clearing. Yeah. Without ruling any of those right, clearings. Yeah, right. it's to or from. That's huge. That's yeah. a lot of them. 
So I, I can see this benefiting factions that need the mobility. Yeah. Because this provides a surprising amount of mobility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially on the autumn map where there's five river clearings. Yeah. It's good. It's actually interesting that the ability for the otters is actually like the thing. If the otters had that ability, the the main faction of the otters, they'd be like unstoppable. That's always yeah. the thing is like you want to be able to rule to and from the river, but you only rule along the river. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Let's move on to the exile. All right, buckle up, folks. When During setup, you put the exile in any forest and the three club items on here. Then passively, anytime on their turn, a player with faction pieces adjacent to the exile may place an item from their crafted items box on this card to draw a card and score a point. Ooh. Once in daylight, any number of times you may exhaust one item here to move an ad- to an adjacent forest and may exhaust two items here to battle in an adjacent clearing. When done, refresh all items here. In battle, you can roll hits up to the number of items here. For each hit taken, exhaust one item or remove one if you cannot exhaust any. What? This makes you a vagabond for fighting? Is that right? Yeah, you, you, there's a huge bear meeple. And you give the bear items in order to score a point and get a card. But then the bear can use the items to move around a forest and battle. And when it takes hits, it exhausts items. And if it can't exhaust any more items, then it actually removes the items. Mm. So you can battle the bear down, but you don't want to. It's real mean. (laughs) I actually really love the fact that you can pitch an item over to this guy. In order to draw a card and score a point. Yeah. It's nice. And it actually feels very thematically similar to the Vagabond. We're like, what have we done? We've given him everything he needs. Yeah. <laughs> it's all great until you've pumped up the exile and you start to see him making his way through the forest <laughs> over towards your side of the board. And you're like, oh, no, here it comes. <laughs> Don't hit me with that bag. <laughs> all right. What about the brigand? Yeah, the brigand. Set up, place ruin items under the ruins as if the Vagabond were in play. Then, once in daylight, the controller may take an item from a ruin in a clearing with their faction piece. As Lord of the Hundreds, you would put it in your horde. If you took the last item from a ruin, remove the ruin. Also, once in daylight, the controller may exhaust an item on their crafted items box, not their horde, notably, to take a random card from a player with faction pieces in a clearing with your faction pieces. Wow. That's good. That is good. I love a way to remove the ruins without specific factions in the game. And stealing cards from other players is always good. Yeah, geez. This feels pretty pretty good. I mean, for factions that really care about building slots, I think this is extra good. But just the fact that you can exhaust an item to steal a card is already pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's a decent ability for sure. Yeah. uh, The Exile and the Brigand. I'm going to say this is one of the stronger hirelings out there. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell, like, the the base game hirelings, the ones that came in the Marauder expansion, are all really nice. You know, the cats, the birds, the, <laughs> we're about to get to the Woodland Alliance, and the Vagabond ones are really good. Oh, yeah. The other thing, though, is if if you are a faction that cares about buildings, removing those ruins gives you a chance to consolidate. Like, I think about the lizards, like, who have a really easy time um, recruiting mm-hmm. in different clearings. Like, they could easily get some presence around those ruins. Mm-hmm. And find their, uh, you know, their setup in a double slot clearing. Yep. And then use their 
handcrafted items to steal cards? Yes, steal please. Steal cards. That's really so good. huge. Monsters. All right. Speaking of monsters. <laughs> That's right. It's the spring uprising. All right. Set up. Roll the uprising die twice and place an uprising warrior in a matching clearings. If, as I assume the uprising dice is a suited die. It's exactly like the mob die. Got it. Then, Except for it's green. And it doesn't it's green. always green. It's far. really cute. <laughs> okay. When uh, you uh, gain control, if no uprising controllers are on the map, roll the uprising die and place an uprising warrior in a matching clearing. Passively to battle the uprising, an attacker must discard a card matching the battle clearing. That's annoying. Woof. Then at the beginning of Birdsong, first, you must roll the uprising die. Then second, you must remove an uprising piece and all enemy pieces from a matching clearing, or you must place an uprising warrior in a matching clearing. Oh, wow. So they have like a suicide attack in their second step. Is that right? They revolt. Right. Okay. They, but with, with well, without sympathy, they do it with a warrior, essentially. With a warrior, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and it's so annoying. <laughs> they managed to bottle the annoyance of the Woodland Alliance and put it into games where it had no right being. No, <laughs> I, I think this is a great hireling. It really does feel like the Woodland Alliance where it's going to cost you a card to battle them. That's going to suck. But you're also going to take a hit. Yes. Because it's a warrior, yes. so that double sucks. But it's better than getting blown up, which all you're Oof. hoping for is that they don't roll the same suit. Like, there's a chance for the revolt, which I, it's just really exciting. It's a good one. Yeah. As this one starts popping up, too, it's just like, this is a gun that all the factions can point at each other. I feel like they're the entire game. Yeah. Okay. Great. And then the last one, I actually don't have a file for. Do one of you have it? It's called Rabbit Scouts. It's the demoted side. Uh, It's a persistent ability for the controller who, as defender in battle before the roll, you may spend a card matching the battle clearing to use the higher roll and make the attacker use the lower roll. Oh, so you get a buy Guerrilla Warfare? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's fine. It is good. uh, At what point in the roll? Before? Before the roll. Yeah. Got it. I love that. And it's it's a great choice. It's just great to be like, hmm, do I want to turn this battle around on you? Yeah. And then, of course, it still rolls 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. It's, it's Well, I mean, I actually kind of think about this like as a partisans type card, mm. but for Guerrilla War. Right. Because in my mind, at least, it acts as a bit of a deterrent against people attacking you. Because you know you could always flip it around on them. Yes, yeah. Now, it costs a card, which is expensive, but so does Partisans, usually. Partisans usually cost more than one, yeah. Right. I guess the advantage is knowing the role ahead of time, but... True. Yeah, but I, I still think this is is very good, and you don't want to get this in the wrong hands, for sure. If you do it on the first attack as well, like you could just decimate an attacking force mm-hmm. before they can even touch you which is amazing we did it wow all the factions all the hirelings guys nailed it oh man and again this is just kind of like first thoughts a little bit of theory crafting for the things we haven't gotten around to because as we listed there's a lot to still uh, digest with the marauder expansion the new meta is not there yet we did have the winter tournament which really helped us get a feel for the new factions especially and kind of give us a taste for the lost city but this is going to be the summer of digesting this expansion and kind of letting that 
all these new abilities come in. Because as we said, a lot of the demoted abilities of these hirelings might be more powerful than some of the promoted abilities. So I'm I'm ready to throw them in the four-player games. I know that they say you don't need them in the four-player game, but... We want them. Yeah, I I want more combos. I want more... I want to be surprised more. Yeah. And, And these certainly deliver that. I yeah, Wimmy's you got a you got some homework this this summer, which is obviously more hot takes, which you're already good at. But also, let's do some research and get some statistics on what happens here. I want to see some interesting interactions here because that's what season three is going to start to feature. Is we're going to talk more in depth about how these play into the larger game of Root, and we want to explore them using your examples. Yeah, absolutely. We we always do share a good play. I love I love reading about interesting interactions and stuff that you can't foresee, and I feel like these hirelings are going to give you a lot of that. And the the <laughs> what I love is that you have to give it to somebody. So at the end of the day, it's always a little bit your fault um, <laughs> that it happened, which is fun. Excelente. All right. Well, I know we've been late. I, I want to say thank you to all the Wimmies out there. Thank you uh, for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, at least for one more episode of season two. Uh, but please join us on the Good Time Society Discord. Uh, we have a Woodland War Machine channel. We've got games being organized there on TTS and on digital. We've got the Cool Kids Losers Club. We've got the main feed. Also, there's tons of great stuff going on at Good Time Society to boldly watch. We got the Kalix. It's called Kalix. <laughs> yeah, and we actually have new uh, Call of Cthulhu co- content coming out later this month as well. Very cool. Also, Jake just did a play of Dominion. Jake, oh, did man. you win? I crushed Becca three games in a row. That's not true. <laughs> I did not crush her. I beat her three games in a row, but she was close on two of them. Uh, Dominion's okay. so good. She had never really played, so I had that advantage over her. But she's so good at deck builders. She knows what she's doing. One of the best games. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Wimmies. We look forward to uh, talking to you next week. Um, But I know if I'm ever at a Creed concert, what I'm going to chant instead of the name Creed. With arms wide open. <laughs> <laughs>